0: Something we've been curious about this broadcast.
1: T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This
2: is TGP Nominal. Commence episode now. All systems remain nominal. Nominal. Nominal.
3: nominal.
4: Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. It's June. Can't believe it's June already. Well, there's one thing left to do right now, and that is bring up this fader here, and Mr. Burger, are you there?
5: This is the widescreen podcast, show number 230... 230- Wait, no, that's not right. Yeah, you get,
4: you're getting your shows mixed up again.
5: I am. I am mixed. Well, I'm mixed up anyway, so it fits.
4: <laughs> you did that with the Eurovision one, and
5: it's like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I thought... Here, here I thought I was being unique. <laughs> <sighs> uh, ruin my fun That's okay, I've got my genuine American Mountain Dew right here with me So, ha <laughs> Yeah
3: <laughs> And
4: I've got uh, what a, a friend of the show, Mr. Vobes, would call the pink drink The pink drink? Basically just just cordial Stuff that you dilute with water and it's flavoured <laughs> Oh, Kool-Aid <laughs> Kind of Not as much sugar
5: <laughs> wow, Wow! <laughs> this is America. you got to have lots of sugar over here. <laughs> and that's just the way we roll. <laughs> we're, we're a highly caffeinated and sugared people.
4: Now, there's one thing I want to bring up with you. I received a package not too long ago. No? Oh? Which, which seemed to come from America. And it had your address on it. And I wasn't just expecting what actually arrived, which was Alan Stern's Chasing New Horizons book.
5: I would never... Ever in my life, do such a nice thing? Somebody bought that, faked my return address, and sent it to you. <laughs> I would never, ever, ever do something nice like that.
6: You're welcome.
4: <laughs> that was a big, big surprise. So um, it, it was really strange because I was going back on the podcast that we'd done before when we actually mentioned that you'd ordered the book, and actually, within minutes of you saying that, the
5: parcel force guy r- arrived at the door. <laughs> It's really weird. Timing is everything. (laughs) It's it's just one of those things. Well, it was only available through one particular bookstore out in Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it was any more than just the regular hardcover, but the fact that that was the only place you can get it actually autographed unless you went to wherever spot they had on their tour. So I was like, ah, I know someone who can appreciate another one.
4: And the thing is, that book without the signature is not actually available in the UK.
5: Well, okay, yeah, but you could have it shipped anyway. Yeah, I mean, I get all my three D Blu rays from the UK now.
4: Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, if I wanted to go to my local bookstore and buy it, it's not actually available. The uh, the publishers in the UK are not actually printing it. Well, yet, right. So, that makes it even more special, the fact that it's not available in the UK.
5: I'm glad you like it.
4: In a moment, we're going to be having somebody else on the show. Somebody who's making a debut, but not their debut. (laughs) So, uh, bear with us one second, and we will introduce them. So, joining us on the line from somewhere up the M1... (laughs) <laughs> we have someone, as I've just mentioned, that has been on the show before, but not on the live show. Liz Springs. How are you doing?
7: Howdy, boys. I'm good. How are you?
4: <laughs> doing good. Today's show, we are going to be doing something special. Uh, we're going to be talking about something special. I couldn't think of anyone else that would be awesome about talking about this event, because you've been involved with it for a few years. And uh, that event is Field of Force Day. There was going to be uh, another field of force day event due this weekend coming but due to unforeseen circumstances that's not going to actually happen so i thought it'd be a great opportunity to have what we've got right in the middle there so that it'll keep field of force day fresh in people's minds ready for when the event comes up in october so what we'll do is after this short break we're going to go straight into field of force day
8: Have you ever wanted to get far, far away from it all? To a planet where no one will ever find you? Well, that place is closer than you think. Welcome to Earth's Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland. A welcoming pre-hyperdrive society. Friendly indigenous wildlife. And more than a few fun activities to train your apprentice. Earth's Wild Atlantic Way. Shooting location
0: of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Escape the dark side along Earth's Wild Atlantic Way. It's the perfect place to get away from it all.
2: Things to smell, uh, changing places and BSL. From G to G, just a touch of a stuff, just a touch of a stuff, just a touch of a stuff is enough to take a photo of our money. Just a touch of a stuff, just a touch of a stuff. Some guy from Trump Step. This is TGP Nominal.
3: Can you feel Can you feel Can
4: you feel Can you feel? So, Liz, feel the force day. What does that actually mean to you?
7: Oh wow, family fun the entire emotional gamut that you could think of <laughs> um, it's like the, the uh, i think of the movie quote you know that you don't know man you weren't there <laughs> it's very very hard to explain that event unless you've been there it is so hard to put into words the togetherness the welcome feeling the emotional high the the vulnerability the the childlike wonder that people have there the fellowship it's not something that you can explain really easily no. but it is all the customers i know it is
4: our favourite event. Yeah, I, I totally agree because I was told that you haven't actually experienced a proper convention until you've been to Field of Force Day. It is unlike any other convention out there.
7: I wouldn't even call it a convention. It is in a world of its own and it is it just blows you away.
4: Now John, I mean you you've heard me talking about Field of Force Day for a long time now and uh, you've experienced different bits and pieces that I've recorded with J.J. and Simon. So you get the idea of what these two guys are
5: like. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, in some ways, they make me fear eventually coming over there.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: what, didn't you say something about uh, that? He said that well, he'll have something special planned for whenever I get over there. Yeah, that will send tremors up the spine.
4: <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's harmless. <laughs>
5: Oh, don't even try to hide that one, buddy. (laughs) I'm not buying that one.
4: But yeah, Simon and JJ, uh, these are two people that, if it wasn't for Field of Force State, these two people would never have had anything to do with each other. They've got this this relationship. It's, It's difficult to explain. They bounce off each other, but they kind of really take the mickey out of each other the whole time, which is hilarious. And uh, as you know, John, when, uh, whenever I try and do a recording with Simon, it's, it's very, very difficult because he knows I've got to edit it.
3: <laughs>
4: I'll, have, I'll have to play it to you sometime, uh, Liz, but I've got a recording of Simon where it, it was an entire paragraph where there was expletives most of the way through it because he knew that I had to edit them out.
7: <laughs> I can completely believe that. <laughs> they, they're basically a sitcom without their own sitcom. Yeah. Huh.
4: yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine a fun. sitcom without a script. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's Simon and JJ.
5: Regular Laurel and Hardy, huh? Uh
4: huh. <laughs>
7: yeah, it's not a relationship; it's a dynamic. It I is,
4: <laughs> and and it works. It's 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 one of these things that if if you looked at it on paper, it shouldn't work, but it does. And the but... event the event is exactly the same. Now, to complete this whole thing here with uh, the crew, as it were, I thought that I would talk to Ross Hockham from the UK Astronomy Group, because they made their first appearance at uh, Field of Force Day 5. And we went up to Peterborough so that we could take some um, donations from Ian at uh, Dead Universe Comics up to JJ and Simon and have a chat with them about it. And at that point, Ross said, I want in. I want to have something to do with this event. And that was it he was signed up they were there had all their telescopes now out and everything for for the event and this clip that i'm going to play in is his first reactions of field of force day and his memories of the day
9: all i can say is wow (laughs) it was completely different to anything i've ever been to before i've been to a few comic cons and things like that with my friends And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a massive geek into... You know, I play computer games and I know a few things. I'm into like alien films and stuff like that. So I know a few bits and pieces of Star Wars. But I went with my wife as well, who isn't into it at all. When I first sort of turned up, there was all these cars down the side. All these really cool cars. There was the Batmobile... All bits like that. There was actually a, uh, a Transformer, wasn't there, that actually, I think it was, uh, it was... What's his name? The yellow and black one.
4: Bumblebee.
9: Yeah. Bumblebee, that's the one, yeah. And my wife loves it. Don't know why. That car was sat there. And then, literally, it started transforming. <laughs> it actually started transforming in front of you and turned into the robot.
4: Yeah. Um, I, I was there when it first did it, um, and we were looking through the window, and your wife... <laughs> nearly jumped about six foot in the air when she saw it it was like wow look at that
9: (laughs) yeah it was she she saw it and then they did it a few times through the day and she she turned around and saw it starting to transform and she just shouted at me oh my god it's transforming again and ran to get a video outside and to it i mean if that's if you can get someone like that who's not interested in sci-fi at all that excited to run out there and do that then you've won (laughs) you've won the day but, yeah, I mean, we set up just for astronomy just because we wanted to go, you know, show people normal space and the stuff you can see and have all the telescopes out and just kind of, you know, get interest for anyone who's interested in that. But, I mean, we had a little stroll around, and some of the, we went into a room that had, uh, had like, Boba Fett and all bounty hunters and stuff in.
4: Yep, yep. We
9: popped into that room, and I just wanted to take a picture. I was like, oh, I love a bit of Star Wars. These are really cool outfits. Is it the Mandorian mercs?
4: Mandalorians, yeah.
9: That's the one, Mandalorian. Sorry I said that wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, we popped in that room. Next thing I know, they've put a helmet on me. They've given me a gun. They've put some ammo around me. And then they've all come in for a picture. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is ridiculous. I love it. They actually they straight away felt, you know, you were included. You weren't sort of like, oh, yeah, take a picture of me. Now go away. It was, get in here. Come on, be part of it, blah, blah, blah. And it was fantastic. And I've never had anything like that. Usually, you know, you, you go up and just put your arm around them or something, don't you, and get a picture. Yeah. But they actually made you feel completely included. And you could actually see as you were walking around there were other rooms, weren't there? There was like there was a fill room where it just had loads of stuff where kids can go in
4: yeah, they and just
9: touch touch all the stuff and fill Bits of the costumes, and
4: that's um, something that's completely unique to Field of Force days. Uh, they call them the touch tables, yeah. and um, they—I don't know if they had them this year. They, uh, in the past, they've had these things called smell jars. Yeah. Uh, where they've reconstructed what they think certain things in sci-fi and stuff smells like.
9: Oh, that that could be fun to do, couldn't it?
4: Like the smell of a Wookiee, <laughs> or um, uh, one of my favourite ones was the smell of a Minion, which was basically banana.
9: <laughs> so a Minion actually does smell of banana. Excellent. Well, they do tend to eat them, don't they? I, yeah. I don't think I've seen them eat anything else,
3: so
9: it explains the yellow colour. But no, that's 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 that sort of thing. You don't get that, do you? In most other places, it's it's, it's open to everyone. And then there was, I think there's another room as well, which was literally, I think it was a quiet room, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, they have the the quiet rooms. Um, a, a lot of the children, um, and not necessarily just children, but people that go to the the events are um, on the autistic spectrum, and sometimes you know crowds and and loud noise and things is is can be a little bit disturbing or. Um, just a little bit too much so they need a, a little bit of time out so they have this special room set up where you can just sit in there and it's nice and quiet um, and it's fantastic I actually went in there I needed a five minutes um, <laughs>
9: <laughs> yeah to calm yourself <laughs> the excitement
4: yeah it's uh, they, that, these little things that they add to the, ev- the event is, is fantastic um, the first one this year they've had a room called Fear beforece. Force I don't know if you went in the Fear the Force room it was like a hallow- oh, Halloween room
9: oh yeah no I, I wasn't allowed in there because of my wife (laughs) she was with me and yeah it looked cool and I was like let's go in and she was like no no I don't like it
4: (laughs) (laughs) they tried it for the first time and they would have been saying some people have been saying to them oh you can't have that room there why not because the the event is set up for disabled people well what's that got to do with anything disabled people like you know some well not everybody but some people like horror movies and things so why why shouldn't yeah, just, there be just
9: because you're disabled doesn't mean you know you're not into horror or you might you might love horror movies and see that and be like oh, i want to go in and be scared
4: <laughs> so if you don't like it don't go in the room basically yeah
9: <laughs> well that's, that's exactly what happened with us isn't it <laughs> Me and my wife. My wife was like, no, 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 something's going to jump out on me. I don't like it. I was like, right, go in there then. Cool. We'll go to the quiet room for you to calm down for a couple of minutes.
4: (laughs) (laughs) They they have the the Jedi training room, which is really good, where you can train to use lightsabers and stuff. yeah, I saw that and that's popular every year
9: (laughs) so even they had a shooting range as well didn't they
4: um in the mandalorian room or in the oh Uh, no at the back yeah Yeah, the where they had the vr stuff and all that Yeah,
9: yeah just to the right it was kind of like a it was a safe one they weren't actually shooting guns but uh, yeah, they had targets, didn't they? And you go into like an inflatable thing, and you can get to fire uh, different types of guns. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go in there; I was too busy. But
4: yeah, that was. I mean, was there, was, gonna... there was a
9: range of everything there. I said to my wife: I mean, she does a lot of. She works for charity, and she's a fundraising manager for charities, and she does loads of events and goes to loads of these things. And she's she's never. She said to me, she's never been to one like that. It was completely unique, and and I must say, it was all around the central room, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of walked around it, and then me and my wife walked into the central room, and it was a full sort of, almost like a stadium, isn't it? Sort of. It
4: is. Like a stage. It's, it's got um, it's it's an auditorium. It's a block like a like That's a, a words, mini yeah. a mini arena, if you like. Uh, I shouldn't say mini because it's actually quite well, big. It's huge.
9: <laughs> It's actually hidden quite well in the building, isn't it? And we—you couldn't really hear outside either.
4: No, the soundproofing is really good.
9: Stuff. You, yeah, you couldn't hear it, but we walked in there and suddenly there's the Blues Brothers singing and dancing and jumping about. And I turn around, there's Iron Man dancing with Batman. There's like a Chewbacca and a Dalek over there dancing with kids. There's a Minion over there. It was just completely mad. It was like I just walked into a room and suddenly took drugs. <laughs> it was just, and I had to video. And I was like, I looked at my wife and I just went this is crazy i love it and we we walked around i did a little sort of 360 film and just as i got to iron man he looked right at me put his hand out and s- turned his light on <laughs> and i was like ah oh, that is it's so good yeah so good
4: I, I managed to capture you on video as well didn't i
9: yeah you did yeah i i think i knew you were filming but kind of was so away with it i was just chatting away and i was quite glad i didn't say anything naughty
3: yeah
9: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you got me chatting, didn't you? I think that was about the fact that my wife thought that uh, Zelda was actually Peter Pan.
4: I'm actually going to, before somebody actually says it, um, I'm going to pick you up on that. Uh-oh. Because Zelda is the game.
9: Yeah.
4: Uh, Link is, Zel- is, Link yeah, Link is, is well, the character name.
9: Yeah, is Zelda the the lady, the y- princess. Yeah,
4: yeah Princess yeah. Zelda, yeah.
9: Because I've played the game, I have to admit it. i played it. <laughs> uh, was it The Ocarina of Time? Mm-hmm and yeah i played that one a couple of times the n64 yeah and yeah and i was kind of saying to her i couldn't remember the name of i knew it was zelda but i couldn't remember the name of the actual (laughs) character and i thought i I
4: thought i'd say something before somebody else does
9: yeah (laughs) (laughs) well well, actually she said peter pan but you're still wrong because you said zelda so actually it's link (laughs) so you're both wrong (laughs) but the, the great thing about it was i've never seen so many characters characters in characters i mean did you see the massive chewbacca yeah well it wasn't chewbacca it was another one wasn't it It I was
4: think? um Tarful.
9: Tarful. see i don't i only know chewbacca i
4: i i actually know him yeah um oh, excellent because
9: <laughs> his voice works and everything didn't it every time mm. he opened his mouth he made the sound it was it was real to me and i'm 35 i look at and i think that's a wookie you know usually you can kind of see anything yeah it's a character but you know you can see the person
4: that character the guy who plays that character is actually married to ray (laughs) so if you oh brilliant um then they are the the perfect what i call sci-fi couple because he he does other things as well he 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 has other costumes as well yeah Um, and so does she she has like jedi other jedi costumes and things yeah andy and louisa are just uh fantastic they're absolutely wonderful couple um and they they do as many of these kind of events as they can.
9: Yeah, it's so. really good for them. It's. I mean, I was I was blown away by it. You know, as you said, you went there and you came away buzzing. Yeah. And that's that's what it does to you. I mean, uh, we were there, and bless him, there was a, a blind guy came up and he was feeling the scopes, mm-hmm. and he was touching them, getting a feel for them, all that sort of thing. And not a lot of places would let you kind of do that. No. But he's then like I saw, I then saw kids who were obviously they were blind as well and the characters went down on their knees didn't they yeah and they 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 let the kids feel them and and you know even adults as well they let them feel them and touch them and you know so they can get a feel for what who they are and what they are and actually see them if you know what i mean it is there with touch because that is their sight
4: a very tactile event
9: yeah and And, you know that takes a lot of you know care for Mm -hmm. me for someone to actually go down and go look ego that's that feel my face feel this it's it's very it's a very personal touch isn't it
4: it is it's it's the most remarkable event and i just want as many people to experience it as possible and i'd like the people who are not disabled to actually see it through the eyes of someone who is because as i say the, the event is set up for people with disabilities it's one of the highlights of TGP Nominal's year.
9: Oh well, definitely I mean uh, we were talking it's Simon isn't it and JJ yeah so I was chatting to them and I, he actually bless him, Simon went almost to every stall and just he said you're all okay is everything good you're happy we're like yeah, yeah it's brilliant man it's brilliant and he did that to everyone he made sure I, you feel really welcomed and JJ he's crazy isn't he
4: yeah isn't uh, that, that's, but he's, that's he's such a character you've
9: got, you got to love him
4: <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> you've got to love him you cannot describe jj in any way shape or form you have to, have to meet him you have to experience jj to understand <laughs>
9: yeah. what he's Definitely, all about yeah <laughs> and uh, what a great thing my wife had a chat with simon and uh he said so he's talking about the astronomy he goes so do you, you enjoy the day and she's like yeah, yeah yeah he goes so do you do astronomy and she's like i don't i hate astronomy <laughs> <laughs> and he went funnily enough i hate this stuff <laughs> he was like i don't know anything about comic mean he doesn't really enjoy any of that stuff does he No, he does such a good job. He does it, doesn't he? He because he he knows what it's about. He knows what it's for, and he does it for that purpose. And he's like, I'm not interested in. He doesn't know. He's interested in the characters or anything like that, is he? But he's interested in the cause and why. Yeah. It it, why he does it and why JJ. Well, he does it for JJ, doesn't he?
4: Yeah, pretty much.
9: Yeah, and Um, that's like my wife. She does this story for me because she loves. You know, when when she loves seeing like a kid come up and walk away excited and you know inspired and run off saying mummy I want a scope and that's exactly the same thing as Simon and JJ are doing
4: yeah. that was one thing yes. I was going to ask you actually how did it actually go for you on the day I mean I mean I know you were busy because I could see you were busy a lot of the time but the the people's the reaction to what you do
9: uh, well, they, they really liked it they usually do because we did uh, we did badges as well didn't we so we did badge making they came along and we made sure we got because uh, you colour it in yourself badge you want and we made sure we printed off star wars once and things like that rather Mm -hmm. than planets and space because we thought we tie in with you guys in a way you know we had a little uh a meerkat didn't we which is obi-wan kenobi yeah which is actually going to be the name of our uh, our mobile observatory now did you did you hear what we're going to call it
4: yeah you were going to call it it's going to be called
9: moby one kenobi yeah because it's a mobile observatory it's moby one because it's our first one and then kenobi just because it's fun and we actually i've now actually thought we're going to use that little meerkat and we're going to have it on it <laughs> he's going to be our mascot so yeah the day for people coming over we it was great so many people were talking to us they were asking about scopes they were looking through they were doing bits and they actually we've had people join us i've had a couple of uh, a couple of ladies have contacted me about doing maybe a school some scouts and some peavers, and things like that so for me that's what it's about I, i'm more than happy to go to an event because i know from that people then contact me and you know take us to astronomy rather than like comic-con or sci-fi and things like that they then go oh would you like to come and teach the kids at school because the winning thing is always the inflatable solar system if i say oh yeah i'll, I'll come along i'll bring the inflatable solar system the kids can hold them and we'll touch them because I, I i'm like as you said about feel the force day i like everything to be visual i turn up and i I take more than i need because you know i want i want a big screen with you know a planet on it i want the planets in the solar system all there to hold and touch and see and then tim peak and my scope and so the kids walk in and go wow that looks cool that's that's what we want and that's you know that's what we got to fill the force day. people were turning up seeing all our scopes in that line there they were like wow what's that and then you chat to them so yeah, the day for us was fantastic. And we were lucky because we got we got some donations as well. So people actually donated because with the badges, it was a donation for the badge. And we actually got some funding as well. So we're now using that to go out and do more for people. For so all in all, probably one of the best days I've had. It was a really, really, really good
5: day. Well, I'm glad that you corrected him on the whole Zelda thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pet peeve. <laughs> I, I I thought I
4: had to before somebody else did, <laughs> but it was so funny when he came up to me and he goes, "You see that?" He said, "You see that Zelda over there?" I went, uh... <laughs> "No." <laughs> he said, "My wife thought it was Peter Pan."
7: Is <laughs> it, is Zelda hiding behind Link or? Uh... <laughs> uh,
5: that, that's like saying, "You see that Romulan over there? That's a Klingon." <laughs>
7: <laughs> but the thing is I think that kind of helps nail it on the head a bit as Ross said he's not <laughs> a big nerd his wife definitely is not a big nerd and yet for her to be oh my god it's
10: Bumblebee that kind of
4: sums it up that was really hilarious when that happened she goes he's transforming I went yeah right and she goes no he is he's transforming and I went oh my god he's transforming <laughs> <laughs>
7: See I remember talking to them there cuz uh, I did have uh, we stopped and posed for a few pictures for them. Mhm with the Twi'lek and the Wookiee looking through the telescopes. And I remember talking to Ross about how blown away he was at the time, just by the the range of the event and all the different characters and just how it was all set up and everything. And he was really impressed. As he said, if we can hook that level of non-nerd, mm-hmm. then it really does show just how much Feel the Force has to offer.
4: I really don't think he had any aspect of how big this event was. I think Simon said to me on the day there was over 6,000 people turned up at this one. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's pretty big for a small event.
7: Yeah, I mean, well, when you think it's a conference centre that also serves as a church on an industrial estate, (laughs) it's not where you'd necessarily think you were going to house that kind of event, size event, is
4: it? It's getting bigger as well because... You know the room where they had the uh the food and stuff for the guests and and uh, the cosplayers and stuff. Yep. That's moving upstairs because they're going to have more stuff on that floor where you were before. So they're having oh, okay. the entire building this year.
7: Wow. So we're going to end up in the rafters this year
4: then. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what uh, he was telling me it's growing i mean considering it was what when it first started it was just something like 20 30 people with disabilities in a room with a few props and whatnot and then it just grew and grew and grew so it's pretty amazing so the next part i'm going to play in is when i actually arrived at the building and i met up with a couple of other people who were helping out at the time and uh, you, you'll hear who they are in this clip. I'm in Peterborough at the moment for Field of Force Day 5 um, which is what it says really, the 5th Field of Force Day at Peterborough and I'm joined by Alan Taylor-Shearer and Tom Powell. How are you doing fellas? Oh well, oh, Yeah,
9: nice early start.
8: Yeah, yeah, look forward to that every day. Don't you Tom?
9: Aye.
8: So, uh <laughs> What are you guys looking forward to? Alan? Doctor Who, Star Wars, Star Trek, um, cats, monsters, um, touching things, things touching me, feeling things and just feeling.
4: Field of Force Day is exactly what it says. You can feel things, you can touch things. There's nothing shady about that at all it's an event set up for people with disabilities and visual impairments and learning difficulties and that kind of thing and they encourage the people that come to the event to touch so that they can experience what these characters are all about from from the movies and uh, everything else that goes along with it tom what about you
9: um not quite as comprehensive as Alan's there for me. Red Dwarf, the lovely Hattie Hayridge is in attendance today, so um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to looking forward to that interview. Um, hopefully, so love Hattie. Yeah, yeah, definitely anything Red Dwarf for me, with a little bit of Doctor Who and Star Wars in there. So, yeah, I'm a
3: tricky.
4: Hattie is lovely. I must admit, I've spoken to her before, and she is absolutely lovely. Um, Yeah, Star Trek doesn't seem to get so many people doing the Star Trek thing here.
8: No, and and I find that interesting because it is a major science fiction thing in the world. It's important to a lot of people. It's been going for decades and decades, a lot longer than Star Wars. But I think because the movies have been more successful and because... It, the, the whole ethos behind the two seems to be quite different and I think it depends I, I don't think you're either a, a, you know you're either a Star Wars fan or a Star Trek fan and never the twain shall meet I don't think that's the case but I just think people can relate to the Star Wars ethos because it's a bit more dramatic it's more what's the word I'm looking for it's a little bit less uh, clean and uh, sterile yeah as the, I mean, the Star Trek universe is, you know, we've solved world hunger. Nobody has money anymore, um, and we don't need to worry about homelessness and all that kind of stuff. If you, you know, if you want that society. Whereas Star Trek, still Star Wars, I'm getting myself confused, is very down to earth. I think that is, if that if that's the right phrase, it's it's you know, there's junkyards, yep. and there are homeless people, and there are rich people, and there are powerful people, and there are powerless people. There are that there is that thing in the Star Star Trek uh, universe, but it's it's glossed over to some extent. Um, and I think I think a lot of people can relate to Star Wars more because of that, because it's more down to earth. It's more relatable to the to the average person. Does that make sense, or am yeah, I just totally. nonsense? No, no, it does. Uh, and if you, if you look at the different eras of Star
4: Wars. You've got the original Star Wars from the 1970s, mm-hmm. very industrial feel to it. And you go back to the prequels, yeah, and you look at the, the styling of the buildings and the vehicles. It kind of goes back to the 1930s, 1940s. Everything yeah. had a style to it, and then as it as it went forward, that all disappeared and became rough and ready.
3: Yeah,
4: uh, and it's almost. Mirroring what's actually
8: going on out there, and maybe you know, for somebody who has um, some kind of visual, dis- you know, impairment or something, um, Star Star Wars stuff is far more interesting to touch and feel than Star Trek stuff. Yeah, because the vast majority of Star Trek stuff is smooth, clean, you know.
10: Very um, sterile, sterile. Whereas yeah.
8: the Star Wars stuff is, is a lot more too. It's more interesting to feel. Yeah. It's more tactile, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not visually impaired myself, but I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the how, you know, touching something that's a bit more industrial, a bit more. It's going to be more interesting for you. Yeah, you definitely, know?
3: definitely.
8: Whereas you know, for somebody like myself, you know, I look at, I look at iPads and I look at. Um, Uh, communicators and phases and stuff and yes they're nice to look at they're glamorous but you know a good blaster at your side oh yeah there's nothing beats a blaster apart Mm -hmm. from a lightsaber but yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I I, I think I think the um, the the tactile nature of the of the props and stuff like that and the toys are far more interesting
4: definitely um,
8: for people who who will appreciate this you know who have some sort of disability and it's not, just, it's not just physical disabilities, it's um, emotional and mental health issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my own son doesn't have any physical disabilities, but he does have some learning difficulties. So, you know, he's come today, he's going to experience it in his way, and he'll probably spend some time in the quiet room, um, the quiet, chill-out room. Because, uh, you know, it doesn't do crowds very well. Some, um, something has, has amused Mark while I'm yes, trying to be yeah, all yeah, serious we,
9: we, we, we've just clocked
11: a stormtrooper walking past us yeah, with, with a blazer and a ghetto blaster on his shoulder
8: <laughs> oh ghetto trooper yeah that yeah that's um, I can also see a lady TARDIS over there yes
4: um, things are starting to get interesting here now yeah. so I think we should check out Was the, the rest with of the event the flute, yes. flute. that will be another doctor
8: so, yes, the, the cosplayers are coming out. We've got Doctor Who, we've got a, a, a lady dressed as a TARDIS, which is appropriate for the new Doctor. Lots of Jedi's. Obvious
4: amounts of Jedi's. I wasn't so sure if that was Obi Wan Kenobi or Jeremy Corbyn, actually.
8: But, um... <laughs> I suppose, depending on your political point of view, he might be a Jedi. Or is he a Sith Lord? Mm, well, there's that.
4: <laughs> right, shall we get out there and have uh, a Yeah, let's have go a wonder. Alan was sort of perplexed about the fact that you hardly ever see any Star Trek people at these events, (laughs) which is very true. You don't see a lot of Star Trek at uh, Field of Force Day.
7: You don't see a lot of Star Trek at most events, to be honest with you. There is a bit of it, but personally, obviously, I go to a lot of things and I don't see a huge amount of Star Trek. It is underrepresented
4: but they do have their own convention don't they They have the big one at the NEC every year
7: they
4: do which is pretty and I'm I'm
7: sure they have lots of them there (laughs) Um, one would hope and, and yeah. don't get me wrong, I love Star Trek. I do. I was raised on TNG, but yeah, I thought he made some very valid points, actually, because yeah, <laughs> in Star Trek, everything's sort of happy. We fixed everything. There's replicators and everybody's got clothes and a job and everything's very pretty. And Star Wars, we still have like wars and ghettos and factions and stuff. Yeah. It is more like, relatable,
5: I think. When it comes to cosplaying and things like that, the problem when it comes to Star Trek versus Star Wars and representation is that Star Wars has the coolest costumes. Star Trek you really don't uh, have nah uh, nah 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 nah
7: nah nah. Star Wars I wouldn't say has the coolest. I Mandalorian,
5: would say Star Wars has Darth Vader, a Stormtroopers. Okay, all right. Well you know it has what a it takes a selection. lot. It absolutely does, but that's like Windows versus Mac. You know, it's <laughs> Star
7: Star Trek yeah. has a lot more humans per It has a lot more than- humans.
5: That's the issue there. And if you they want do. to go with something else very in Star cool, Trek, you have to get full aliens. makeup. You know, you have to go as a Klingon with skin and teeth and hair and, and prosthetics. You know, Star, Star Wars, you throw a costume on.
7: Yeah, you're talking to a girl that does the makeups and the prosthetics and the contact lenses. And yeah, so. <laughs> All
5: right, so, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I get why Star Trek, it is very human-centric. Yes. So... I'm not surprised that it's underrepresented in that way.
4: hmm I think I saw Spock last year. I am not sure I did. Was it he? he might have been the year before, but
5: I, they... uh, and again eyebrows and earpieces. Mm, okay. But pretty much and the bowl cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the Vulcan bowl cup. But uh, otherwise I love Star Trek. I've been watching it ever since I was in diapers. I love Star Wars. I've seen every single one of them in the theaters, including Solo, which, unpopular opinion, I actually enjoyed it.
7: Loved it. The ending. So happy. Oh, that ending. (laughs) Yeah. So happy. I am so happy. That's a conversation for another day because that's only been out a little while, but Um, but that uh, made me so happy.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I had the option of dressing up as a Mandalorian versus dressing up as a Vulcan... Uh, Mandalorian. Hello, give Mando. me. There's no question there, so I'm not surprised at all that Star Trek is underrepresented at these things.
7: One of my earliest costumes was a Bajoran.
5: Yeah, a human was, with nose ridges was, and an earring.
7: Yep, ear cuff. It was the 90s. That's it.
4: <laughs> Doesn't surprise me in the slightest, to be honest.
7: I went to a Star Trek exhibition in Birmingham. It was at, I think it was at the Gasworks or something, and they've got bits of the set, and they've got costumes, and they got all this. sort of memorabilia from star trek and it was going i think it was going around the world at different bits and it happened to be in birmingham and we went all the way to birmingham just to go and look at star trek sets yeah it's worth it yep
4: also mr taylor shearer was out the front of the building and he was talking to people in the queues which was really cool actually that he actually managed to talk to different people about what they were expecting what they wanted to see (laughs) I thought he
7: was walking along about 10 minutes behind me (laughs) because of who I was walking along with that's why I know he came out after me
8: (laughs) I'm here with a family who have come to the Kingsgate Centre for the first time just briefly introduce
11: yourselves Uh, I'm Andy father to Olivia and Noah and this is my wife Steph. Steph hello Steph hi
8: what brings you here today
11: um, basically we've heard so much about it over the years um, always meant to come just never got round to it we thought this morning last minute thing we're gonna do it no more excuses and um, we were supposed to be at another class today but we've scrapped that and thought we'll come here support it show our faces have a good day hopefully and it's already started to be a good day in the queue so
12: <laughs> we've seen Chewbacca so that's great
11: <laughs> brilliant
8: so what else do you want to see today what's what's the main thing that you want to see
11: what do you want to see, Noah? Uh,
12: two back up. Two yeah, I think she's looking forward to the Jedi train. No. The Jedi training. Yeah, Jedi training. And, uh,
8: Brilliant. Yeah, I have seen all that set up. It's fantastic looking forward. I am
11: hoping there's something Daddy Ghostbusters Deadpool! related, but Deadpool, I, I don't know. There's a stay puffed Daddy! on Is there a Deadpool? Deadpool? Awesome. <laughs> there's a stay puffed on the map, so I'm hoping maybe there's something. So.
3: Brilliant.
8: Thanks very much and I hope you enjoy your first visit no to Field Force Forster.
11: Thank you, take care. Take care. care.
8: <laughs> well the queue is getting forever longer but i've managed to pull somebody out of the queue tell me why are you here today
13: it's just because we came last year and it was just brilliant like the staff and it, it was really helpful and to say that it's for people with special needs it's just really good have you been to other major comic cons um, well, a few years ago, I actually went to Minecon, and that was a bit busy, but we managed to pull through the whole thing. And here, it's just it's, it's like Minecon, but now that I've built up more confidence, I can get through everything. And who have you come with today? I've come with my sister, my stepdad, and my mum.
8: And what do you want to see? What's, what's the thing you want to see most here today?
13: Steve Hewlett, the, the ventriloquist, because he he did Britain's Got Talent and then I went to see him in Stamford and then obviously he's brought out a DVD and I was like, actually watching it in the car as we were coming to Feel the Force Day and I just really want to see him because he's brilliant
8: What about the science fiction element of what's on today?
13: I know that my sister's really into meeting the princesses but I actually like Star Wars so yeah I'm actually excited to see them So Fantastic
8: Well thank you very much for talking to us and I hope you haven't lost your place in the queue <laughs>
13: That's alright, thank you Thank you
4: one guy that he was talking to where he's saying i hope you don't lose your place in in the queue (laughs) whoops
7: (laughs) well the queue was huge it was i mean i don't even know what it would be in in feet but it went obviously from the front door along the side of the building all the way to the end of the car park and then started curling up the side of the car park which is why we went outside to you know go and say hey to people and generally cause trouble in costume because you know that's what you do because there's so many people had turned up
4: but you had um, a lot of things outside anyway because you got all the different vehicles that are out there because you had the like the the american style police cruisers and uh vehicles from cars the Pixar movie and
7: uh, yeah, like Lightning McQueen, the Batmobile, Bumblebee, oh. the old style American police car from the film that I've forgotten the name of. My apologies. Um, <laughs> lots of that as well, but I think more people were interested in getting their wristband first because the line was so big, yeah, before going over to that side to look at things because Stay Puft was outside as well.
4: Mm-hmm. And in previous years, though, I mean, they had the Bats of the Future DeLorean and stuff like that out there, which was really cool. I think they've had uh, um, vehicles from jurassic park out there as well in the past even before you get into the building there's stuff going on which is amazing so it keeps people happy when they are in the queue and then uh when you get there you've got like the uh the marketplace areas where it's not just merchandise and stuff you've got like different charities and things that are endorsing them the, the things that they do and there was a kind of a shooting gallery thing there last year wasn't there
7: yeah, sort of off to the right and out the back, that one of the side rooms.
4: That wasn't as well advertised as it could have been, because the, the the footfall wasn't as, as big as it was. Did you just go over a speed bump?
7: No, I went over a monster pothole.
4: Oh, say no more. <laughs>
7: My apologies. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of those on British roads.
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to think, in South Carolina, we complain that whilst the gas is cheap, it's because the roads are worse. But, yeah, they got nothing on these.
5: (laughs) You haven't driven through Pennsylvania, I take it.
7: I've driven to Pittsburgh.
5: No, not the same. That's it. (laughs)
4: John, you haven't driven through Burkhamsted High Street.
7: Uh, Yeah, that's that's a good point.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You you do realize, don't you, that Pennsylvania has probably the most heavily traveled highways in the entire country because we connect the Northeast with the rest of the country. Yeah, uh, we we get our share of potholes and that sort of thing.
7: You really don't. And speaking as a a half-and-half rat, I can say this.
5: Drive on Interstate 81 or Interstate 80 and tell me if you change your tune.
7: Well, I spend more time on I-85, but all right. The most i've done up there is i've 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 driven from Bowie in maryland up mm-hmm. to pittsburgh and back that's as much as i've done up that way
5: <laughs> stayed above the mason dixon as long as necessary and then got back down
7: <laughs> yeah it's a bit cold it's a bit cold it's a bit cold
5: <laughs> <laughs> i'll have you know it. it's currently 74 degrees here
7: yeah yeah hush it 50 freaking one and it's june
5: <laughs> that's
7: that's an o- oxymoron. It's a high of fifty one today. Uh-uh, that's that's not a high.
5: That, that's a high if you're above the Arctic Circle, maybe.
7: <laughs> yeah, in fact, it's probably warmer there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Field of
4: Force Day. That leads me on to me basically because uh, I conducted my first interview of the day. So I'm here at Field of Force Day 2017. I'm here with uh, Laurie Good, who's famous for being in Star Wars. How are you doing?
14: I'm doing okay. The convention's going quite well. There's quite a lot of entertainment in on this one, so you know, there's uh, a lot of lot of action happening.
4: As I say, you're you're famous for being in Star Wars. Now you had multiple roles.
14: That's right. Yeah, I was uh, a, a stormtrooper uh first off, and then I w- I was placed in the cantina sequence uh, as Sorin and uh uh, third thing I did was uh, an X-Wing pilot, but I'm not too sure whether I was in shot as an X-Wing pilot, because I think they sort of um, had a supply of X-Wing pilots that were more than they they um, anticipated for the shot, so a lot of us were sort of like sidelined for that shot and I, don't know, I can't remember whether I was in shot or not so I'd never signed for an X-Wing pilot, because I'm not too sure whether I was in shot or not
4: The first role that you had was the stormtrooper
14: role
13: yeah
4: and you're f- probably famous for something that happened oh yeah <laughs> but, uh,
14: yeah what happened the second day i came in i had an upset stomach and i kept going to the loo and uh jerry the assistant put me in shot i was just come back from the loo and i said look i think i'm gonna i'm to go again you know gotta be careful here he said no you're in shot now and, you know i placed your shot there. so we rehearsed it and then uh, as we went for a take, I think it was about the third or fourth take, because we were holding the guns in our right hands and apparently we had to hold the guns in the left hands because all the holsters are on the left-hand side. So it was probably about the fourth take and I thought, oh, could I could hear my stomach rumbling or I could feel it, I should say. And, and so we went over and, and I, I was standing up, putting my shoulders back and uh, not taking very quick steps because I'm thinking to myself, well if I pass wind I might pass something else and bang I hit my head and I'm waiting for someone to say cut and no one said cut so I thought I wasn't in shock when it came out I saw the head bang I thought well it's got to be me you know for, so for years I've been saying it's me and uh, I went on these com- first convention I did I said to the guys, the organisers, I was a guy that banged my head and they said Laurie everyone's telling us that so I kept quiet about it and then a lot of other people, like Michael Leader and uh, um, the guy, in the American guy, was it Lightning Bear? He was saying, I think there were two or three other names that came up at the time. They were saying that they did it. So I wrote this song called Who Was a Stormtrooper Who Banged His Head? Who was a Stormtrooper who
2: banged his head? So many claims, so Who was a Stormtrooper?
14: on like that, and it's on um, iTunes. If you want to buy, it. I've just done a remix. But um, we're doing now a documentary with a guy called Jamie Stangroom, who works freelance at the BBC. So he's got he's got some money to do a half hour documentary. So, and with another claimant who reckoning it was him, banging banged his head. We're having some, a, some polygraph tests done uh, on film. So that should be funny. We have both probably come out being be, be sort of like, you know. Uh, both either liars or both telling the truth maybe I don't know <laughs> because you know, I don't know how these things work but um, uh, you know I believe it is me I just haven't got any proof to say that it's me definitely because you know there's nothing to say that we're all, we're all behind that mask to say that you're definitely the one uh, in my eyes is wrong because I think it's me but I can't prove it's me so maybe the polygraph test will find that, that out that would be very interesting So
3: yeah. Excellent.
14: Well, Laurie, thanks for talking with okay, us. Okay, yeah, pleasure. Anytime. We'll try and get a, a nice quiet room next
7: time. <laughs> yeah.
4: Liz, have you met Laurie?
7: I don't think I have, actually.
4: <laughs> He's good fun. And uh, we started conducting the interview in a kind of a corridor where there was a staircase. <laughs> and there was people up and down the stairs. And he said, can we kind of do this somewhere else and we were right by a fire door we went out this fire door and we conducted the interview out there now the wind started getting up a little bit and the fire door closed behind us (laughs) we had these chairs that we were sat on outside the fire door and we had to try and find the next door that was open brought these chairs through the door and said oh could you do with a couple of spare chairs we got a couple here and then we carried on walking through the building (laughs) which was bizarre <laughs> but it was good uh, that uh, Laurie was promoting his song uh, that uh, he wrote and uh, performs about the, the stormtrooper that banged his head.
7: <laughs> Very catchy. <laughs> and uh,
4: it was great talking with him we didn't have a great amount of time with him but uh enough to talk about his time when he was in the original star wars because he as you he said they played three characters one was Sorin, who was a, a little lizard type character that was in the cantina scene obviously he played the stormtrooper that allegedly banged his head
7: may, may have banged his head yeah. <laughs> Or, he played a stormtrooper who banged his head. Whether his the one is the one that's up for debate.
4: I it? I just love the fact that he was going on this documentary to have a a polygraph <laughs> a, a polygraph test done to see if it was him or the other fella that was the actual stormtrooper. And then, as I say, he was a an X-wing pilot, but he doesn't think that he was he he made the cut, final cut for that one. <laughs>
7: I find it kind of interesting that there's yet another um, stomach bug story.
4: Yeah, there was quite a Think few of those related yeah. to 1976.
7: Uh, yeah, there was one about um, Kenny Baker um, being very, very ill when he was being R2. and mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, dodgy lunch
4: maybe. Um, it's probably <laughs> down to the heat as well, because 76 was probably one of the hottest summers we ever had over here. Um, hey, what's this weed?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: and uh, an infestation of ladybugs as well, so...
5: Okay. Don't you call them lady birds over there?
4: Yeah, we do, but I'm being surrounded by a couple of Americans, so what am I supposed to do?
5: (laughs) We know the phrase, we're good.
4: (laughs) So, uh, the next clip that I'm going to play in, uh, was Mr. Taylor Shearer again, talking with somebody that was in charge of the volunteers that were there, the RAF cadets, uh, who do play a massive role at Field of Force Day.
8: I'm here with Jess Bradshaw at Peterborough who is looking after, coordinating and being very military with these Royal Air Force cadets. Mom, thanks for taking the time to speak to me. Uh, What brings you here today?
12: Uh, We've looked after this event uh, for a number of years now. Simon who organises the event is an ex-cadet from the local area and he came forward and said would you be able to provide some cadets? So about three or four years ago, I think it was the first time we attended, and we got a group of ten cadets, and now in 2017 we have over 40 cadets and over, well, just about ten staff members. We think it's obviously a brilliant cause to come along and help people out. Um, it's a bit of an unusual sci-fi convention kind of thing, so when we say to the cadets, come along, there'll be Star Wars, there'll be Harry Potter, all this kind of stuff, it kind of grabs their attention, so we get more and more cadets coming back every year, and to help people who maybe won't be able to go down to the London ones who a bit less able to come into these events is is brilliant
8: so what are the cadets doing these 40 cadets in this great big area
12: okay so we've got some people outside car parking we've got the cadets doing all the tickets on the gates and signing people in we've got cadets helping out with the guests on the doors making teas and coffees pretty much anywhere you'll find somebody in a green t-shirt helping out is one of our cadets
8: that's wonderful it's great to see great job now liz you you've probably had
4: quite a bit to do with them but because you guys probably need the runners and stuff when when you're at uh, the events.
7: They are a really really helpful presence whether it's as you said, you know, the people on the gate directing the cars, doing the tickets, doing wristbands, like can I help you? What are you looking for? All that sort of thing. And then yeah, they are running around upstairs making sure there's water in the changing room, that kind of thing. You know, another part of something that started small that's got bigger and bigger that people are volunteering their time because it's such a great event but it's sort it's the people that make it great as well. Yeah. And uh, and yeah the kids are great. They are really helpful and they really enjoyed the event too. So
4: it's something that wouldn't be able to go ahead if it wasn't for these kids because they put so much into it and um, they they just keep it oiled basically keep the event well oiled to keep everything running smoothly so got a lot of respect for these kids
3: space the final frontier
2: these are the voyages of TGP
10: Nominal and it's infinite mission to explore space science and technology news to explore the world of
12: sci-fi,
10: comic cons, and gaming—to boldly go where no podcast has gone
4: before. The next interview that I conducted was with someone that uh, well, got in touch with us, actually, because they'd heard what well, had heard you, Liz, on another earlier podcast—the the podcast that we did at. Uh, the Dead Universe Comics 5th Anniversary Free event. Free comic book day. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm gathering he actually heard you speak when you were at the event and recognised the voice and then he approached you.
7: He approached the Wookiee and I you know, showed him where the top of Namba's head was so that he could actually feel the the height of the Wookiee and what the hair feels like and all of this so yeah i spoke and that was when he obviously recognized my voice yeah that that was
4: uh quite emotional yeah
7: all the feels yeah that moment all the feels
4: so this is myself talking with aaron danvers dukes so i'm back at field of force day 2017 and i'm with someone who's actually been following us a, a little bit on facebook and heard the podcast and it's Aaron Danvers-Dukes. How are you, Aaron? Are you fine? I'm very well, thank you, yes.
15: I understand you've been speaking to Liz earlier today. Yes, I did meet Liz. I was very, very surprised when that happened. I I heard the accent. I I heard her name's Liz and I said, did you do the podcast? And it was Liz Springs. So I was very, very surprised when that happened.
4: This is not your first field of day. You've been to quite a few of them, haven't you?
15: Yes, this is my... Fourth field, a fourth day event overall, and I'm still really enjoying myself.
4: Now you've you've come quite a long way to get here today, haven't you?
15: Yes, the Isle of Wight. My dad's here with us as well. He's he drove us four hours to get up here. He manages to drive every year to a fairly faraway place from our home. For for people that are uh,
4: away from the UK and, and don't know the Isle of Wight, it's it's a a little island off of the south coast of England, and um, it is quite a long way from here.
15: Aaron, what, what, what do you like about Field of Force Day? The thing which I really enjoy is the fact that there's so many characters here to meet, and it doesn't seem too busy. I mean, when we first arrived, we thought, what's this going to be? And the first thing I met was a minion. That was in 2014. And then a predator. And from there, it just snowballed. And every year, I enjoy coming back and seeing everyone. I think my favourites are the predators, because I sometimes get growled at. (laughs) And I really like the princesses, because they talk with a similar accent to what they would sound like in the film. Because you were just talking with a couple of them just now, weren't you? Yes, and they still use that accent. And even when you approach them slightly out of character, they will still talk in character mm. with the accent so it, it doesn't break immersion okay it's very clever
4: um i just need to explain to the listeners that you you are visually impaired aren't you
15: yes i'm a totally blind person no sight whatsoever been blind since i can remember so
4: coming to the event light field of force day where you can actually Being in contact with the characters and actually feel them means quite a lot
15: to you, doesn't it? It means so much to me because you don't... I mean, an example is, A, you don't know how tall they are till you touch them, and B, just to go back to the princesses for a sec, I never knew that the princesses wore stuff such as gloves or very long dresses, or I never knew that a pred would have a helmet that goes all around the head. Yeah. With so many different materials. Yeah,
4: because they have the big uh, kind of dreadlock things on the on the back of their head as well. So it's just quite long, tubey things. Yes. Which is uh, quite interesting to touch, I would imagine.
15: And stormtrooper armour as well is very interesting. Oh. Must be very warm in in those. Yeah, I'd imagine it would be,
4: yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself, Aaron, because I know you, you're involved in lots of different things because you, you're an avid... Video gamer. Yes. And
15: and you, you do martial arts as well, don't you? I do. I've been doing martial arts for around maybe 13 years now, 12, 13 years. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it, it would be too hard to explain it because there's a lot that goes into it. But I am a black belt or in our art we call it a black sash. And it's not just about the fighting. It's meditation and self-defense, the breathing... Forward rolls, backward rolls, form work. It's its very clever, very amazing, and culture and theory-based as well.
4: So it's not just a physical thing, it's a, a mental thing as well. It's Yes. That's, that sounds fascinating.
15: So you say you've been doing it
4: 13 years?
15: Yes, yeah, so I got my black sash last October. So... What was that like for you when you first started? It must have been pretty difficult. It was. Well, the, my master, called Simon, he actually came into my middle school um, was, you know, long, quite a long time ago now and did a demo, which made me very curious. So I put my hand up and asked if I could join. And um, interestingly and thankfully, he said yes. And uh, we went to the class. It's all one-on-one, so it's just me and him. And he actually started to teach me uh, what we call form work straight away and then we moved on to punching a pad and we moved on to wrist locks and a year later we sort of, we sort of went back and forth doing wrist locks, punches, kicks and then we had forward rolls which took me about six months to master because of me trying to leave the ground it was pretty hard and then from there it just continued really and it's now got to the point where I'm now in a group class
4: Yeah.
15: so every couple of Saturdays dad takes me to a class of around maybe, it's a mixed bag, sometimes there can be 20, sometimes 10, of mixed, mixed age groups, young and old and it's got to the point where I would sometimes do a warm up or Simon would partner me up with someone else to do work with them as well, All right. so it's it's clever it's so, really so are
4: there other members of your class that are visually impaired or um,
15: no not visually impaired no I think there might be some other disabilities in there but I'm not sure which ones but it's not all disabilities there's a lot of sighted people in there as well normal sighted people
4: and what about your video gaming what kind of games do you like
15: I play a lot of fighting games but my favourite game to listen to is a good story based experience I use YouTube a lot to look at let's plays I have Xbox One, which is really good because they recently enabled a thing called Narrator, which is more like a... it's a screen reader, but it's more like a console reader. So it reads your home screen, your messages, uh, party chat invites, and the store. It can't read games as of yet, but I think they're working on that. But I just learn the menus through memory, and I play games such as Killer Instinct, which is a fighting game, or Rock Band 4, which is a music game. Right. And I've recently started to play through Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and it's quite quite a good game. I still think Killer Instinct is my favourite, though. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to hear that you're,
4: you're involved in video gaming and things like that. And um, the, the new technology now is, is enabling people like yourself to get involved in
15: games because of the, um, what do they call it? Is it force, force feedback? There's not, yeah. there's not much force feedback. Killer Instinct doesn't use any force feedback. It's mostly the sounds. It's the uh, stereo padding from left to right so you can hear where if I'm on the left you'll hear my character on the left and if my opponent's on the right he's on the right or he or she and you can tell where they are on the screen because of that. Wow. And it's okay. also 2D... Or a side scrolling experience. Yes. Okay. So it's a bit easier to play.
4: So today at the event, for you, apart from the princesses obviously, what has been your highlight?
15: I met the voice actor Mark Silk. He's a lovely who guy. Is isn't he is amazing. And also John Gleason, the voice of K9. Yes, he's great, isn't he? Yes. And I also got to sit in the Iron Throne of Game of Thrones fame. That, that must be quite interesting to actually feel that I did not expect it to go as far back as it does <laughs> you're getting, you're almost, your feet are nearly dangling down <laughs> <laughs> and it's, instead of like a normal school chair you're sat right back in this thing and you've got two swords next to you mm-hmm. it's so clever and there's so, a lot,
4: lot of intricate pieces on it as well isn't there so yes. lots, to, lots to feel
15: I met Wally the robot as well, who also did his Wally voice to me, which was amazing. Yeah, he bumped into me earlier. And <laughs> Chewbacca, the Wookiee, yeah. was really good as well. And that's how I met Liz. Yeah, she
4: knows Chewie. <laughs> yeah, yes. So she was hanging around with, with him. So it's been great for you today then. Uh, you got to meet quite a few people and that you haven't in the past, yeah?
15: Yes, there's some, been some new faces, but also I have... I have missed some. Um, I don't think some of my predator friends are here today. I've missed. I also haven't seen the predator that they have here yet. Um, yeah, he has been around, but yeah, he's. I only saw him once, so yeah, he's about yeah. somewhere. But that's what makes this event so interesting because you you start talking to people and you realise they had such a different experience to you because there is so much stuff to do and everything is a highlight. Everything is so well done. One of the, one of the Really good new things is that... Did you see the Halloween room?
4: Yes, I did.
15: I don't know if you'd be allowed to record in there or not, but there's loads of sounds. I don't yeah. know if you'd be allowed to get the atmosphere of that room, but I think you should because there's so much stuff in there to get.
4: I think I might have to do that. If
15: you can get... I don't know if you... Is this a, is this a stereo recorder? It is, yeah. Yeah, get, go in there... Get, take a good. You can take a good, good shot of the sounds in that room. Yeah, it's, it's surround
4: sound, so it should pick up quite a lot in there. It'd
15: be nice to yeah. It'd be nice to do that because that was that's the noisiest room here, I think, in terms of loads of content to listen to. Excellent. Well, thanks for the advice on that one. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Aaron. You too. Massive props to JJ and Simon because it's filled a fourth day five. Very big thing, I think five years of this. It is. Absolutely superb. What they've managed to achieve is it's very hard to explain how good it makes people feel but I feel like it changed me as a person. It introduced me to Facebook and from there I made loads of new costuming friends that I'm still in contact with to to this day. That's wonderful. And without that also I wouldn't have followed your podcast so I'm very grateful for that
4: I'm grateful for you for listening actually because it, it was to get the feedback that I got from yourself it was uh, wonderful to, to get thank you
15: you're welcome
4: as mentioned in there Aaron comes from uh, the Isle of Wight and uh, he he's, he comes to the event uh, every year with his mum and dad uh, he does go to a lot of these kind of events. They have the Isle of Wight Comic-Con, don't they? They
7: do, yeah.
4: And he goes to that, obviously, because that's local to him. And he said that he he wouldn't mind actually doing a piece for us from one of those events, which would be quite interesting, from his perspective anyway.
3: Yeah.
4: It was really emotional for me, actually, receiving... it was, It wasn't an email, it was a Facebook message from him saying look, uh, if you're going to Field the force day, is there any chance I could talk with you? And I went, sure, no problem with that. I'd, I'd love to speak with you. So that's that's what happened because you, you approached me and you said, oh, well, I've spoken with Aaron. You, you've got to go find him. So.
7: Oh, that boy broke me. He nearly ruined my makeup. <laughs> I just, it was, he, he was just so excited that he was talking to, to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember him, you know, Dad, Dad, this is Liz from the podcast. I was like, wow. I mean, but that's what I mean about field of force. It is just, just all oh, the feels.
4: Yeah, his dad came up to me and he said, I didn't even know that he'd been listening to podcasts, let alone getting in touch with podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment for the for the podcast in general and it was a a great moment for us both and it is great to have people like Aaron actually getting in touch with us and that, and, and and he's following us on Facebook so he will be listening to this uh podcast no doubt
7: <laughs> oh i feel like we should be all hi Aaron
4: <laughs> <laughs> we come back to Mr Taylor Shearer again and he's going around to uh talked to some people that were, uh, were one guy in particular that was in, involved with cosplay being Doctor Who or at least one of the doctors
8: <laughs> Now cosplay is a major part of any Comic Con even Feel the Force Day yep. I'm here with Steve, Steve who are you?
0: I, I'm here as Patrick Troughton the second Doctor Who um, I came here. This has been my fourth time I came here, and this is actually the first event I ever did as um, Patrick Troughton and I really enjoyed it. We're part of the 15th Cyber Legion UK Garrison, which does all the cosplay and Daleks and all the Doctors and everything there. And um, this event's quite close to my heart, with all the, all, you know, as a charity event and everything. And it's one that I always make an attempt to come and see it. And why Patrick Trout? He was a doctor I grew up with. I started watching it, I can remember that on the telly when I was about five, four, or five years old. And he's the one I grew up with, so he's the one that's closest to my heart. Yetis in the tube and yeah, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yetis in that lot, like, yeah. Yeah, because my wife does John Pertwee. Oh, right, excellent. Yeah, because that's who she grew up with. Yeah, I think a lot of the cosplayers, from the doctors, they do it from the ones that they remember. So tell us about your costume. Well, it was basically all eBay and, and off there. I've got, got the Edwardian jacket for, for about 25 quid off eBay and the trousers were Tesco's. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Had, had a shirt and yeah, and just dug it and all up. Can we hear a little tune? Oh, I should, I should think I could manage that. Thank you. Um,
8: Wonderful. Thank you, Steve. Thank you and have a great day thank you
7: thank
0: you bye and
4: he gave us a little shoot on the penny whistle as well
7: it's character immersion that is
4: oh it's totally immersed yeah <laughs> but um, that also leads on to this little bit I'm just going to play in that it's something that I found on one of Alan's recordings and I didn't realise he was recording at the time now um, I've forgotten the guy's name now it's the guy who actually plays the voice of K9 in uh, in the Doctor Who series And it was just Alan's reaction at the end. He went into total schoolboy mode because he was talking to (laughs) K9.
10: Good afternoon. Can you hear what this is all about?
8: I can, K9, thank you.
10: Excellent. That is satisfactory.
8: (laughs) You have no idea.
3: how cool that is and actually
4: he was telling us a story uh, about um tom baker and tom baker is doing a crossword and he's he's reading out the the, the cryptic part of it and how many letters it is and whatnot because they're all connected by radio mics and stuff obviously the, the, this guy can actually hear what he's saying and he's actually giving him the answers to the crossword so all you can hear is K9 giving Doctor Who the answers to the crossword in the newspaper <laughs> which was the most bizarre thing ever so the next part is I team back up with Alan and we go into the main auditorium when Steve Hewitt is on stage who is a in Triller Quest. Um, and as we mentioned that he was on Britain's Got Talent and this and Hill. so We start talking about that and then something
8: happened. One of the features of the Kingsgate Centre is this huge, massive stage in the auditorium, and we've got Steve Hewlett on there at the moment. Uh, right. he's a ventriloquist, and uh, wasn't he on Britain's Got Talent? It? He was. He was one of the finalists on uh, Britain's Got Talent about three years ago, I think. And uh, he's got uh, he's got a crowd absolutely enthralled here, and it's good to see that his act is being signed simultaneously yeah. as well.
4: That's right. Um, Field of Force Day, whenever they have events on the stage, they have someone from, from uh, the, the BSL, the, the British Sign Language Organisation, to come on board and do the signing for them. Brilliant.
16: Brilliant.
3: Okay. Chichi's I'm Chi
8: I'm Chi yeah, Oddly, we can hear Chi Chi even though Chi Chi's not talking to the microphone. That's right, it's weird, isn't it?
4: <laughs> and I don't know if, if you've ever tried to interview someone in, who um,
13: has
8: a, a puppet. I have. Uh, you do start pointing a microphone towards the puppet. I have done that, I can honestly say. In all, yeah. In all truth, I, I did interview uh, somebody who is a was a a or is ventriloquist, and they had the puppet with them, and I ended up looking at the puppet, talking to the puppet, and holding the microphone in front of the puppet. Yep, yep. And totally forgetting that there was a bloke there with his hand up its bum. <laughs> That's so weird, isn't it? It really is. I've never done that with a darling, yeah.
6: Wow. I tell you what, why do you ask me a question? Ask me a question, and then the boys and girls they'll learn something.
8: Yeah. Um, right. Stunned. You're very stunned. Uh, I've not seen Liz like this before,
4: and that is an amazing transformation.
6: Oh, wow. I I
8: a sergeant along with
3: her.
4: So, Liz, what actually happened at the end there? <laughs>
7: You uh, tripped over your tongue and got lost for words.
4: Uh, just a little bit.
7: <laughs> now, oh, that was fun. The,
4: <laughs> this is the first time I'd ever seen Liz in the Peggy Carter outfit.
7: Bearing in mind, I'm usually in full Twilight Jedi with you know, silicon headtails tails and, and all of that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah just uh, it blew me out of the water a little bit Um, (laughs) as you you heard at the end there all I could say for a couple of minutes was wow (laughs) (laughs) and I recall you turning round to me and saying you're lost for words I think I like that
5: (laughs) yep well what was my response when you showed me the picture wasn't something like hello yeah something like that
7: (laughs) oh I love Peggy Peggy is awesome. <laughs> it, it did take a while for me to get the hang of posing without a weapon because I'm so used to posing with lightsabers or blasters and Peggy is, you know, 40s icon pin-up posing. That, that took a while to get my head around.
4: Mm-hmm we've got the photograph I actually took of you at at that point and uh, (laughs) then we've also got the photograph of you when you were with the UK astronomy guys when you were in the outfit as well oh yeah posing by the (laughs) telescopes
7: (laughs) you just need the other one where I'm half posed across R5 as well I'm posing with one of the um, R2 builders droids R5 (laughs) Um, everybody loves Peggy Carter
4: I, I keep going on about this one, but that R5 unit I, I love because of the fact that it's, it's the, the, the malfunctioning one. so it's, it's awesome.
7: <laughs> I, look, I raved about R5 last time when we talked at Christmas, so I won't. yeah. <laughs> I won't wax lyrical more about that droid, although amusing anecdote, MCM London back in May.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: I took my mom. So I didn't costume. I took my mom to her first ever convention. And we stopped off by, you know, Rebel Legion, UKG, R2 Builders area. And there was R5 and another droid. I suppose it's part of why I love um, costuming with Wookiees and things like that. Because I don't see the costumer. I see the character. So I will interact with the character. When I'm with the R2 Builders, I will interact with the droid and ignore the person controlling it. Yeah. And I love that. And, uh, I'd already given R5 a hug and, you know, kissed the top of the dome and this other droid had come over. So I, I hugged that one and gave it a kiss and then R5 bumped me in the ankle. (laughs) So I looked round and I'd got R5 beeping away, telling off this other droid. (laughs) So I didn't think I was just like, uh, no, no, play nice boys. Play nice. No, no, where did you learn that language? and all of this, and I'm stood there telling off these two droids, and I'm going, no, no, back off, back off. Really? I am surprised at you. And at the corner of my eye, I realise I've got about six or seven people stood around me watching, and somebody's filming me. So I carried on telling them off, separated them, and ended up sending one of the droids off into time out, which is not something I've done before. But
4: <laughs> that, that, that kind of takes me back to my first Field of Force day, when I'm trying to conduct an interview, and um, Wally hits me from behind. And... Uh, <laughs> And I said, oh, excuse me for a moment. I've just been accosted by Wally.
7: (laughs) (laughs) But that kind of thing happens. You know, you do. You get Wally, then there's Superman, then a little gaggle of Disney princesses walk through. Then some cats. You turn a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the convention cats. You turn a corner and Hulk's just chilling out. And then you go into the auditorium and there's two or three Wookies dancing to the Blues Brothers.
4: Yeah. And then, and another one on the first, my first field of Force Day was when I had a beer with Duffman, which was weird, but... Uh...
7: <laughs> it, it is um, eclectic.
4: Mm-hmm during the event we had a few difficulties with doing interviews because of there was a lot going on in the auditorium and trying to compete with it wasn't the, the easiest thing so what we decided to do was to go around the actual venue and see if we could talk to different people around the, the uh, different rooms and uh, we went into one of the the big pools of the event which is the merchandise hall Um, And this is how it went.
8: Now, comic books are merchandise. And isn't it appropriate that we should be making our way into the merchandise room? Yeah, it's uh, where there's all the hustle and bustle going on. You've got to say, it it is one of the busier rooms, isn't it? It's
4: busy outside. You come into the merchandise room and it just... It feels a little bit claustrophobic, actually. Yes.
8: Yeah, I, I would just stood in the doorway um, in a little bit of a space. <laughs> it's a very daunting place, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a fairly large room, and it's very, very packed and busy.
4: It is. It's, it's a bit of a minefield to try and negotiate around. Um, but we're speaking from people that are able-bodied working your way around here as a disabled person is, is a challenge but doable.
8: Yeah, um, it just means that everybody else has to be aware of the surroundings and cooperate with each other.
4: Yes, uh, unfortunately able-bodied people do have a tendency to forget that uh, this event is aimed at people with disability and, and they
8: they, they, t- they tend to forget to look below their nose. Right. Shall we uh, shall we dive in and yeah, take a look around
4: here?
8: I think so. I think so. Little People UK. Yes. Um, tell us Tell us about your organisation, Little People dot
6: org. Yes. The LP UK is people with dwarfed and set up by Samantha Davis and Warwick Davis, is our patron at this moment in time, and it's people who's had a child who's it's not in the family we are offers them. and we can give a positive and unique look onto it
8: in, in what way I mean if you're, looking, if you're talking about something practically what,
6: what practical help can you can you offer somebody a, a parents or and the parents mainly it's, it's the simple one of talking to them and giving them that unique look saying we're just short that's all it is that's all we are short and go out there and be big it doesn't matter you can do anything and that's what some families c- can't believe. You're going, oh, my son can do this. Yeah, go, try it. So that's what we're going to try to put a positive and unique spin onto it.
8: Do you consider it dis- a disability?
6: I, th- I suppose. I suppose in a way it is a disability, but in my eyes it's not. I do everything a <laughs> normal, average height person does. Oh. So there's a lot of people with different disabilities who have a harder life than me. So on the spectrum of disability, it's that. Uh, at the bottom, or is it at the top? I don't know which way we're looking at it, but yes. But
8: um, still a very important organisation, still very important information because, to be honest with you, I know very little about this condition, this, wh- whatever you want to call
6: it's it. Um, my parents are tall, my brother's tall, so it's, does it doesn't get passed down the family. Two dwarves who are married can have a tall child. So an 80% of p- parents with dwarfism are average height. So that's quite high, it's only... So people, have, and especially if they've not been looking for it, they can, a child can be born with dwarfism, and they didn't realise it's got dwarfism until it's born. So some, like anything, what's new or different, people start going, oh, what do you mean my child's got dwarfism? And especially now with the website, you can look out and go, it's just short, or, so, or this information, or, or we don't need to change the hours. You, know, you don't need to change many things in life, because you know, life, you can't do it in the big world
8: as with everybody you grow you develop you become your own personality and, and that's it isn't it yeah, i think it's just,
6: just coming your own personality and don't worry about being short sometimes it does there's little issues with it but there's issues of anything in life you know and it's just getting over them issues and having fun with it you know and, and a smile helps everybody doesn't it doesn't it just thank you very much for talking to us thank you very much thank you very much so that's
8: uh, little people uk positively unique
6: And Warwick Warwick Davis is our patron. So,
8: if you want to know more, contact at littlepeopleuk.org or visit the website
15: littlepeopleuk.org.
4: So, at the end there, we were talking to the guys from the the Little People charity.
7: I would just like to say that the Little People interview, there is one thing that really, really touched me in all of that, that um, the guy was saying... And it was, forgive me for paraphrasing, but it was the about, you know, so whatever if you're little, go out and be big. That that really stuck with me. That I thought that was beautiful.
4: Yeah, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? And um, as they mentioned there, Warwick Davis is their patron. And um, this is when you sort of came on to the scene as well, because you, were at the same point as us, we, we heard that uh, Warwick Davis was uh, on the premises.
7: <laughs> I. I did not even finish getting out of Peggy Carter. I literally, I was in the middle of getting changed, and somebody said Warwick Davis is downstairs, and Warwick Davis is just a freaking legend, and I have always wanted to meet him. And yeah, so I literally threw on a tank top, threw on a pair of jeans, and ran downstairs, still in my Peggy wig, my full Peggy Carter makeup, just desperate to go and meet Warwick Davis. The man is a legend. (laughs)
4: <laughs> which which leads us nicely onto the next bit Because I actually got a few words with, with Warwick um, I know he's a very busy man And he was about to leave at the time So I'm very grateful to him just to say a few words to us So this was the moment that I met Warwick Davis So I'm here once again at Field of Force Day 2017 And I am with the legend that is Warwick Davis How are you doing sir? Oh, very well thank you now, Warwick, you've been an ambassador for Field the Force Day for uh, quite a long time.
17: Yeah, I mean, uh, I forget how many years it's actually been running now, but uh, it's it's a terrific event that, that goes from strength to strength. And here we are this year, and the event has attracted like, more than a thousand people. And the more people that can get to uh, experience Feel the Force Day, the better, really, because it's uh, it's such a great idea to have an event that you know is accessible to people to everybody you know whereas a, a regular kind of science fiction comic book convention is not necessarily uh, the most accessible place and uh, I think uh, Simon and JJ really hit on something here and uh, you know as you can tell by the numbers that are coming out to the events uh, it's proven to be very popular
4: so how did you get involved
17: uh, just, I, I knew JJ, and uh, I'm, I'm sort of local to the area here where he set it up. So, uh, yeah, that was really my involvement. And uh, being an actor, you know, I'm somebody that uh, would be asked to come to something like this as well.
4: So, for you, uh, in, in a few words, what does what does yeah, Field of Force Day mean to you?
17: <laughs> in A few words. I'm not a man of few words, so it's a, <laughs> it's a tricky one to kind of answer in a few words, but. I you know it's just lovely to meet people that I wouldn't normally get to meet you know people who are coming to these events from uh, from all walks of life with with varied varying degrees of disability uh, but they're all able to experience and enjoy something as one you know and that's what it does it levels the playing field a bit and uh, you know whether you have a learning disability or a physical disability you can still be a, a film comic book tv fan and uh, and we all like to celebrate those things together.
4: Awesome. Well, Warwick, it's been fantastic talking with you and uh,
17: may the force be with you. Thank you very much. Cheers.
4: <laughs> As I say, he didn't have a lot of time and I didn't want to do a proper interview with him, I just wanted to get his version of what Field of Force Day is about and why he was involved with it and I didn't actually know that he was from Peterborough originally so.
7: Ah, I did because I know that he's done other little people fundraising events at the is it the, the Serpentine because right. we've had um, some friends of mine costume for that to raise money for the Little People UK as well So cool. I did know that bit Well, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people realize is he was something like 11 when he was in Star Wars.
4: Yes he was yeah.
7: He was you know a little kid so he's grown up with it at the same time and it might sound silly but I like the fact that there's people who will still take the time to raise money and support worthy causes even though there is somebody because there are a lot of somebodies who don't
4: Yeah there is a lot of that and it's good to hear that people don't forget where they came from so that's always nice
7: yeah, he's been involved with Field of Force since then pretty pretty much all the way along. Yeah, day and one, pretty much. Yeah, as I said, the thing that he does at the Serpentine. Well, that's a, um, a local shopping center,
3: mm-hmm.
7: and he'll still take the time out. I'm not doing a very good job of putting it into words, which is a really great thing on a podcast, but <laughs> it's just. It's it's a really good thing and it is nice that he wants to help other people as well and to remember that and not just be a somebody.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's
7: definitely. It's another thing that makes the man a legend, in my opinion.
4: Now, the next clip is uh, back to Mr. Taylor Shearer and he's talking to a whole group of cosplayers.
8: Cosplaying is something that happens across all Comic-Cons and there are organisations, there are individuals, there are large groups and there are small local community groups as well. But they all have one thing in common, a love of science fiction. Let's start here. I'm thinking steampunk, but can you tell me a little bit more about yourself?
10: Uh, Well, I'm Sue, uh, but my proper name is Baroness Vanderbilt. Um, I am a steampunk Star Wars fleet officer. So I can be
8: steampunk Star Wars fleet officer. <laughs> yes,
10: yeah, that. that's correct. Because <laughs> again, steampunk goes across a lot of the genres, and we like to mix things up a little bit.
8: <laughs> and your inspiration?
10: Mine. Um, well, started as steampunk, just like the good manners, tea, and lots of cake, yes. of course. Um, but then I got involved with volunteering Hello. with the uh, UK Garrison. Uh, I sort of go and volunteer and look after their doors, and the Star Wars bit sort of crept in. So I changed my costume to marry up with them, although I'm not an official member with them at the moment. But I'm hoping to be.
8: And w- why today? Why have you come here today to feel the force?
10: Because it's the Feel the Force Day, and we're here to you know support the people here to help them with the costumes and what have you, because it's a good cause. And they can't always get into the big commercial ones because it's just too overpowering. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to come and support the smaller groups and, you know, bring a little bit of your fun along with it.
8: Brilliant. Thank you, Sue.
10: You're welcome. (laughs) OK.
8: I've got a predator being shoved towards me. (laughs) Uh, how How do I address you?
1: I am a predator huntress.
8: Predator huntress. Um,
1: can we see you with the mask down for just a second so we get the full effect?
8: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that does it for me. <clears throat> I, I'm going to behave, I promise. Um, very good.
1: So, works? <laughs>
8: so, are you with an organisational group? I'm
1: with UK Predators and the UK Clonal Marines.
8: And how long have those organisations been growing? Because that will be the first time I've heard of them. Ooh,
1: uh, the Marines, you'd probably know better than I would.
17: Yeah, UK Colonial Marines, I think they've been going since this, at least the second Alien film. Well, since the internet's been around, I think, yeah. to be honest. They're inspired by, the, uh, obviously, the Alien universe. Predator's obviously inspired by the Predator universe. But uh, They
1: are. I can't offhand remember how long they've been going, but it's been quite a few years now and obviously we've got a male predator just over there wandering around as well so there are more than just me so what was your inspiration why predator why not (laughs) (laughs) why should the men get all the fun on get to the chopper yeah (laughs) and yeah uh, it's one of those things where the the Proto huntress is more in the comics admittedly but it is a female another role out there for the science world
8: fantastic so what brings you to Peterborough today why why, why this feel the force
1: home ground for a start and it's one of the best events hands down I love this event it's such a different atmosphere from a lot of the large conventions where you've got a lot of everyone's there doing their cosplay and all that sort of stuff but here it's so much more interaction there's so much more just a different vibe so right. yeah <laughs> every year this one thank you very much (laughs) so as you can
8: see there's such a wide variety it's not all based on one particular genre of sci-fi which is great to see thank you guys
1: you're more than welcome enjoy the day
4: thank you cheers so yeah there was various different cosplay players there and I'm guessing you know quite a few of these kind of people
7: yeah one or two of them
4: (laughs) Because you had the Preds there. That's the UK Predators for anybody who's not... Uh, yeah, up. that
7: was Marie and Simon. R- Marie does a a, um, like a black, grey and purple Predator Huntress. Simon does a Colonial Marine. I know those voices.
4: <laughs> and I'm under the impression that Mr. Wig might be there in October. Uh, Gary Wig, he might be there th- yes. this year. yes. Which I I'm, believe he is. I'm quite looking forward to because I haven't seen Gary for a long time.
7: Um, well, I'm assuming he'll be bringing the newest edition because not only has he got his um, P1 Pred, he's got a Game of Thrones Night King now mm-hmm. that he's been working on that is pretty neat. The guy
4: we're talking about is, is a guy I actually went to school with.
17: really
7: yeah Ah. i've
4: known him since i was about 11
17: Ah,
4: and we got into a few scrapes me and him so yeah
7: well the fun thing about the uk preds it's pretty much gary gary or gary Gary. there's a lot of gary's in the uk preds yeah they're all lovely but there is gary 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 um and it's a bit of a running joke among the rest of us
4: yeah and, and, of course, you've got Mr. Spate as well, who's just the... Is it Gary? ...is the genius behind the camera. Uh, just unreal, some of his photography.
7: Yeah, he's a sweetheart, too. He's another local one for um, Field of Forest as well.
4: Mm-hmm. The next interview I conducted was with B.B. Taylor. In here, you'll hear me referring to her as Melissa, um, because that's her real name. <laughs> but um, she goes under the pen name of B.B. Taylor, which is named after her children so back again at field of force day 2017 and i am with melissa tumulty otherwise known as bb taylor how you doing not too
16: bad it's been a fantastic day so far
4: melissa is an author of uh, children's books and they're, they're quite special books aren't they
16: I I try and make them as special as possible but it's also about making them accessible as well so a lot of my newer books are designed intended to be accessible to people that wouldn't normally be able to read mainstream books.
4: So tell us about the the books you've got in your range I mean I know you've you've got one uh, about uh, Yoshida the Yeti
16: Yeah, my monster books are one of my newer range and they were designed intended for people that don't normally read books for whatever reason, whether that's learning difficulties, dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, visual impairment and they're designed and the layout is specifically targeted at making sure that everyone can read them so the text, the words, the colours are all done in mind of making them easier and more accessible to read so it's not just about the story, it's making sure that the story is accessible to get to in the first place
4: Yeah, I've seen the layout in the book and there's um, some some things that are more colourful than others um, to express different words, to bring them out of the page a bit more. And I think that's that's the main thing because they're usually kind of words that describe... something that's happening in the, in the page and, 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 and something that a kid can kind of say out loudly if they were reading it.
16: Yeah so any words that we think have some expression or hold more importance to a paragraph we will put in a colour that's easy to read and more accessible. We'll make it slightly larger. We might make it a more apparent font as well so that it breaks up the text. It makes sure that the words can be accentuated as well so that they're more open to being uh, interpreted by a child so they can get more excited about it and they can put more emotion into their own. So it isn't just a block of text they're looking at, they're looking at a story and it comes to life more off the page.
4: Excellent. Now as you say it's not the, the only uh, style of books that you've got in your range, you've got your, your latest one that you've been
13: promoting today.
16: Yes, um, Zerm is the first in a new series called Tales of Nibiru. Uh, the first book's called Zerm, which is the zombie international rights movement. Um, zombies are overworked underpaid and literally falling apart so Zerm was set up to protect zombies from death onwards and um, you know I think zombies need a fairer deal so the revolution is coming
4: That sounds absolutely awesome
16: (laughs) Well I'm hoping people will see the lighter side of it, I mean there's a lot of zombie books out there with gore and there's a lot where it's very graphic and very violent and I wanted to see the lighter side of zombies, I think they're very much misunderstood they're given a bad deal so we We've got to stop the oppression of zombies.
4: Excellent. Where can people get hold of your books?
16: Um, you can buy them on Amazon you can get them in most independent bookstores uh, Waterstone stock most of them as well so there's quite a few routes to getting them if anyone does need any information you can find me on Facebook under BB Taylor I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and my website bbtaylorbooks.co.uk so there's a various uh, different routes you can find me under
14: <laughs> that's brilliant
4: well thanks for talking with us Melissa
12: no problem
4: so yeah, that was that was Bibi Taylor and she she is wonderful. She's uh very colorful. <laughs> and uh she's actually sent me a copy of one of her books and she signed it for me, which was brilliant. Um but she's actually told me now, read the book, give me a review. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've got to give her a review. I met her at Field of Force Day West Midlands. It was bizarre because the books that she was promoting at that time was the monster books that she was mentioning in, in the clip there uh, with Yoshi the Yeti, and a, quite a formidable character. And, uh, yeah, another one of these big furry things that you just want to go and hug. <laughs>
7: uh, I seem to spend my half my life around those things.
4: <laughs> now we're getting towards the end, and one of the, the big things that they do... Uh, at field of force day which they don't do a lot of uh, at some of the other places they, they have a lot of a stage presence there because they have something happening on the stage probably every 30 minutes or so there's there's always something going on whether it's local dance groups or
7: sabre school
4: yeah the sabre school or the blues brothers
7: blues bro- i love the blues brothers
4: And uh, they finish off the evening with a... uh, Well, they get a lot of the kids up on stage, some of the the kids from the audience, and the volunteers, the the cadet kids, they come up on stage and they just let their hair down. And they normally sing something, or something very close to singing. And uh, (laughs) this is um, what they actually did for the Field of Force Day 5. So, yeah, that was their rendition of Let It Go from Frozen, which was loud. Let's just say that. (laughs) But they're having a good time, and that's all that mattered.
7: It was enthusiastic.
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can say that. That was definitely enthusiastic. (laughs) So that leads us to the last recording of the day. Alan managed to go out there and actually capture a few people before they were leaving and ask them about their day. (laughs)
8: Drawing towards uh, the end of the day, and uh, here at the Kingsgate Centre, what's your name? Mia. Right, Mia. Have you enjoyed the day?
16: Very much. It was so good.
8: What was your favourite bit?
16: Um, When when I saw Steve who did his um, act, what he was doing.
8: Loads of people, loads of kids have said they've come to see Steve. Yeah. you, you You saw Steve, did you get to say hello to him? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay, maybe you'll get to meet him in a bit. Yeah.
16: Yeah.
8: Um, anything else that was a highlight for you?
16: Um. Well, I got to see um, yeah, BB Taylor. It's calm now, do you? And do yeah. you like her books? yeah. I I haven't really read them, but I think I've heard of um, her books and watched really Shore Day.
8: Right, thank you. And yourself? Did you en- um, enjoy the day? Just
13: yeah, just seeing the all the Star Wars characters. And just all the yeah, all the characters that on display really, just having a look round and yeah, that's it. Did um, you
8: get to meet any of the people that were there, sort of signing images, signing pictures and stuff like? that?
13: I had a I had a lot yeah had a lot I had a lot round. Um, so yeah, and I saw the one for EastEnders. So yeah, just had a good time. I've never been before, but yeah, I had a very good. So you think you'll be back next year? Just seen all the like, the Hulk and. All the different characters that are about. And, and, and the same again, seeing
17: Steve on the stage. Okay. Yeah, thank
8: you. Thank you very much for your time. I'll let you get home. Take
5: care. Have
17: a safe oh, journey. Yes. Well,
8: We've been making a podcast about Feel the Force Day for right. the last sort of five years. And what I'd like to do is just get your views of the day. What was the highlight? What did you enjoy? Ooh. Same for
18: your place as well. Well, well, I guess we came because we uh, knew that Star Wars was involved, so uh, that was my primary interest. But uh, you enjoyed Batman, didn't you? What was was your favourite? Looking at the toys, I think, and Lego as well, so, so all the merchandise helped, didn't it?
8: Uh, Isn't it great that there's a place where you can you can just come and play with all the toys and not yeah. have to worry about breaking them.
18: Yeah. In fact, I think they spent most of the time in that in the room where you can yeah. people brought the, obviously they have toys and that in. Yeah. And you spent a good half an hour in that, didn't you? So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so did
8: you get to meet any of the characters
13: oh
18: uh, yeah well
8: who, who did you meet
13: uh, um
4: took
18: lots of photos as well didn't you with yeah what Batman Suicide Squad and did Spider-Man yeah. who else
12: and um oh, what's he called um <laughs> Kylo Ren oh yes
3: Star
18: Wars crew yeah have you travelled far to get here today? Um, yeah, the other side of Spalding, so it's not too far, about an hour away. So, um, yeah, it's my wife that puts us onto it. So she um, she works for Scents, and they'd been here last year. So um, she booked us tickets as well. So uh, we met up with her, with her, you know, during the day. So. so this is the first year you've been? First for me, yeah. Second for my wife, we sense. sent. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed it, didn't we?
13: Yeah. yeah. Right. So
8: thanks very much for no, talking no to worries. me. And uh, have a safe journey home. Thank you.
13: All right. Bye. Bye.
4: And it just shows, doesn't it? It just shows how people really love that convention. I mean, there was a couple of people that... Um, I can't remember if it was not in that clip or the other one where they were saying that they were going to go to another event or they were doing something else but they cancelled it and came to this one instead because they'd heard about it from other people and the word just does get out there and it's, it has got such a strong following now, and I think that's the reason why they've now they're now going to open it to the next floor, so that they can bring something special.
7: It needs it. There is just so much and so many people that want to get involved with it, and it's gone from being a one thing to having different ones in different towns. And I know we keep saying you can't explain it. You know, we've we've tried. <laughs> And it, it might sound lame saying you can't explain it, but it just, that's the point. It, you need to see it. You need to go. If you can go, go. There is such a fantastic mix of costumers. I mean, I've, I've done events and, you know, we'll be sat there with people from whichever group. I mean, a, a lot of, costume groups and you'll be talking with people and saying, Oh, are you doing this one? Are you doing that one? You know, this particular weekend, there's some stuff coming up. Are you going to go to this? And we'll be like, no, no. Cause that's feel the force. Oh, and they will say, and somebody will say, Oh, what's that? And a group will sort of gravitate together saying you've never done field. The- oh, you need to do feel the force sign up on the website, go to feel the force. It is the best event to costume ever because the, the reception you get, the emotional, High that you get, the how welcoming you are. You know, JJ and Simon really take care of their costumers with the space that they give us to get changed in, and we get fed for. You know, they put out a week's worth of food. I think.
4: Oh wow! I mean, the, just
7: for us, just, we just, we get a full full buffet and everything for the costumers. They really, really go the extra mile to take care of us.
4: Just a plate of Jaffa cakes does me. I mean, it's. Uh
7: oh no sausage rolls salads sandwiches potato chips you know fruit cake jaffa cakes um <laughs> they really really do take the best care of us yeah and it's great in that you know i don't want to sound too materialistic on this one but being able to have the space to get changed and get ready and, and get fed that's, that's pretty much everything that makes us happy as costumers it's similar to when you're doing events with kids. To to children, you're not somebody in a stormtrooper costume. You are a stormtrooper.
4: stormtrooper yeah,
7: you're not. You know, you are Princess Leia. You are Sleeping Beauty. You are a minion, Duff Man, Hulk. The whole mix of everything that is there. That event, more than others, brings out that kind of childlike wonder in you, even as an adult you're not as jaded or cynical as you might normally be. And you feel a lot more comfortable to be excited that, oh my God, it's a Wookiee or a Stormtrooper or Boba Fett or whatever. And that's what makes it so emotional for us as costumers because you get such a higher level of excitement from people who are thrilled to see you because to them, you are that person. And that's where the extra sort of overload of feels comes in. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a very very sweet little girl, at Field of Force Five, in a in a wheelchair, in one of the the fully motorised wheelchairs. Again, she just really really loved my costume. Um, would bounce up and down every time she saw me throughout the day. Came to find me to show me a picture that she'd drawn in the children's bit, things like that. And it is, it's just they're really happy to see you. You really matter being able to go that extra with the interactive of people like Aaron and, you know, with the visually impaired and things like that so that they can actually feel the costume because, it's like like you said about Stormtrooper armor, if you try and explain to somebody what a Stormtrooper looks like, I'm not sure how good a job you'd do.
4: No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to do it.
7: Or like a Wookiee where you'd say, you know, they're seven, eight, seven or eight feet tall and furry or hairy or whatever sort of fuzzball description you're going to use. I'm not sure you would think that it's hair. I think people would think it's more like fur. Mm. Whereas actually a Wookiee, you know, Wookiee costume is essentially a gigantic wig.
8: Yeah, pretty
4: much.
7: It's hair. It's not fur fabric. that's not something that you'd necessarily get from a description or even necess- even possibly from seeing it actually on the screen.
4: One of the things that stands out for me from Field of Force Day 5 was I was in the merchandising room and uh, I've, I've mentioned them in the, the clip that I played in with Ross, um, and you've mentioned Andy, and Louisa, his, his wife, <laughs> was running around trying to find something that she could buy that was a Wookiee. Right. Right. I'm thinking, well, why? Why'd why you need to buy something with a Wookiee? You've got one. Um, <laughs> so she said, We've come across this little girl, um, and I think you may have seen the photographs of her uh, doing the rounds. Um, she was the, the Harley Quinn, she had the ear defenders. Now, this girl was frightened of wookies and eventually they got her to come nearer and nearer to
7: they, they wanted her to meet one but she, because she was scared of mm. so they'd been trying through the day to slowly get her closer and closer
4: and then eventually there she is hugging a wookie and louisa wanted to get her a little gift of a wookie to take back with her which i thought was just really nice
7: that's Louisa all over, though.
4: Yeah, she's everyone's mum, and she. Well, she'd probably kill me for saying that. Actually,
7: <laughs> she might do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've known Louisa and Andy um, probably only about eight, eighteen months, actually. Mm-hmm. But they are just hearts of gold. Those two. I mean, they—they're Plymouth. Yeah they live so i can't even how many hours that is from there to uh, so peterborough
4: about six seven hours something like that
7: something something like that yeah yeah but they go to as much as possible um andy's got a tarful, a chewbacca he's got a biker scout and they do go to so many things and it's all you know everything they go to is um they're raising money for something yeah it's it's always charity stuff. I know Louise Louise has got Ray. She's got Mara Jade. I think she's got a seventh sister as well.
4: I haven't seen. I've only seen her Mara Jade and her Ray outfits.
7: I remember so. there being a conversation about a seventh sister. It might be that it's not finished yet.
4: She did uh, have a that. a standard Jedi outfit as well, didn't she? at one time. Well I think when she first started doing the cosplay it was just a standard she's
7: got I think she's got a Tuscan as well actually while we're, you know, racking up <laughs> costumes. But I mean they I do um they do I do Legoland with them where we spend three days worth of Star Warsing to raise money for the Alexander Divine Children's Hospice. But they do. They go up and down the country most weekends. You could spend hours with stories like this for a lot of the people that I know that do this. And that's what we do. And that's why we love Feel the Force, because it is such a worthy cause. And it's not just that it's disabled, special needs, which, whichever tag you want to put on it. It, it's, it makes it really family friendly as well. Yeah, it
4: is
17: very
7: um, it's a really good one to bring the kids to. I I took my daughter the first time I went; she was only three or four years old. They have a lot that they do for kids there. You know, for the simple fact that kids are allowed to touch things. That's that's not a not a thing a lot of places.
4: No, I mean um, I mean they've got props there, and in many places it's do not touch these. You can look, but mm-hmm. don't touch. But at Field of Fools Day, everything has got access.
7: See, as a costumer, we are part of the thing that we fill out. So it does say, you know, are you happy to be touched? Because, as we said, you know, visually impaired and so on, it's how else do you know what something looks like? Yeah. So that's one of the things that we agree to. If we And it does say, you know, if, if you're happy to bring a prop along, you understand it will be for the touch table, so people will be picking it up and looking at it. Mm-hmm. So there's a few of us that bring things like that, or they bring helmets so that people can actually try on the Stormtrooper helmet or Darth Vader, Mandalorian, etc. Yes,
3: yeah,
4: so I did put on a Batman cowl, but... Um... <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, I missed that. <laughs> also, they had, they had a whole room full of um, kids' crafts and activities. So, you know, you cannot praise the event enough. the 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 only downside is that it's only one day.
4: Um, I, I think <laughs> one one of them would have a nervous breakdown, I think, if it was one more than one day <laughs> um, th- that is the one thing I will always say about Field of Force Day, and that is my first impression of it was I went through the door i 've been to many conventions before they open, and it's panic stations. Field of Force Day is not like that; it is very, no, very calm. I've never experienced that before.
7: No, you're right. It is. It's very laid back. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, it is. It's very, very peaceful, very laid back. It's It's just awesome. John, you need to come over. You need to. You're going to have to risk it. It's October. That'll be, you know, springtime to you, temperature wise.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to the airlines who charge like $800 a ticket. All righty. <laughs> Yeah, slight <laughs> slight issue there.
7: Yeah, yeah all right. I'll, I'll I'll let you have that one.
5: <laughs> right, right now, I'm too busy getting ready to go to Canada.
4: Oh, cause yeah, you got Tanacon coming up, haven't you? You betcha. Uh huh.
5: Got my second gun printing off. Yeah, I know. Gun, Yankee, whatever. It's a it's a game. Okay.
4: He's now got into three D printing uh, weapon. Oh man! From, from oh,
5: heart.
7: don't don't even. That is that is the dream. One day I will. Oh, have a 3D freaking print. hog. Oh yeah. One day I will.
4: He's he's already done Han Solo's blast though as the first thing okay. I
7: did Which version? Oh, what do you mean, the DL-44? He's got about five different ones
5: Yeah, I know I want to say this is the original
7: I have a, a 3D printed sniper, a Star Wars sniper rifle that's almost as big as me It's awesome See, when I win the lottery, it's going to be 3D printer and vacuum former There you go <laughs> And then I might even go for, you know, the added bonus of an injection mold too
5: yeah.
7: <laughs> I'm such a DIY nerd, it's fine
5: <laughs> it's fun. Hey, just because of the 3D printing, I actually went back and started doing some of the models that I've had in my storage for like 20 years.
7: Oh, wow. Thing is. You, you sort of fall down the rabbit hole that is Thingiverse.
5: Yes, oh my god, that was. And
7: you're just like, oh my god, this is awesome. Oh my god, there's this. Oh wow, look at this. I have a, like a probably two inch across No Ghost from Ghostbusters that I'm like, I'm just going to stick that on a hair clip because it's just really cute.
5: Eventually I've got, the do- I've got the plans downloaded I will be making the glaive from Krull. Oh. Oh yeah. She'd be pretty.
4: You've been talking about that for a while.
5: Yeah, I might do that after TennoCon.
7: Oh, the possibilities. Mhm. So much filament, so little time. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs>
5: filament is cheap.
7: Indeed. No, 3D printing's awesome. One day I will own one.
5: Come on, okay. Mark, finish yours.
4: I know. Uh, see the <laughs> different the difference between you guys is I'm actually building a 3D printer. <laughs>
5: so, in <laughs> it. <laughs> I had to assemble mine. That's the same thing.
4: Yeah, but you didn't have to do it from scratch.
7: (laughs) That's your own fault, then. (laughs) 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 Oh, I can't comment. Half the reason I make my own costumes is because it's far cheaper to make them than buy them.
5: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to go with Darth Vader, and then I see the price of the really good-looking costumes, not the crappy, looks like you put on a bathrobe and a helmet. (laughs) And... seriously i've seen this is the really high quality one if it's like 150 bucks i'm like yeah right i don't think so let let me get get a shower and maybe i'll use it but uh the, the really good stormtrooper outfits are like 1500
7: this this is the fundamental thing if you are not in the scene and you think that looks awesome i'd love to do that and you go to google And you type stuff in and you don't necessarily know Mm -hmm. all the right buzzwords or whatever. And you look at it and you think, oh, my God, you know, $2,000 for this or $9,000 for that. I could never do it. And actually not that drastic, especially if you're willing to take the time. If you want to buy a Stormtrooper, complete Stormtrooper outfit, all done and dusted, then you are really going to be kissing $1,000 $1,000 could buy. If you are willing to buy the armor, and then buy the undersuit, buy the boots, and then do all the strapping yourself, then you can save a ton of money doing it that way. Mm. And you can guarantee that it actually fits you properly. But it is, it's things like that. It's the Fet- like, um Boba Fett armor is basically made out of Sintra. It's expanded foam board. It's plastic and a heat gun and you bend it to shape. I really, really just dumbed down how you make Mando armor, so I apologize to any Mandos listening, but...
4: <laughs> Simon Phipps is uh, a member of Mandos. I mean, I think his outfit costs no more than 300 quid, although he's been pointing out some of the bits and pieces on his weaponry that is like, yeah, that's off of a Heinz ketchup bottle.
7: Yep. <laughs> um, Jedi, um, food capsules on like Obi-Wan's... And Qui Gon's belt, those things are basically the equivalent of Sharpie lids, mm-hmm. um, filled in and spray painted. Um, the code cylinders in the original tri- trilogy with with the officers on the Death Star—they're basically chalk holders.
4: Oh right, yeah.
7: The the calm thing that they the Obi Wan's using in the prequels—it's it's, a Gillette lady shape.
4: yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, spray. It's a
7: Gillette lady shape. So it's just, you know, <laughs> like here's 10 bucks, go find something that looks spacey. When you break it down and start looking at bits and pieces, it took me a while to see that. Or, you know, I'd spend months looking for something that had to be the right thing. And then it occurred to me, what am I doing? I could buy, the, buy an item of clothing in any color that's the right shape and then dye it things like that. I'd spend like a month looking for the right pair of trousers in the right colour and then it dawned on me Oh yeah, fabric dye! And then it becomes ridiculously addictive.
4: As I've witnessed
7: Yeah (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about I I certainly don't have a costume on the go at the moment.
4: I've seen what you're like in fabric stores
7: (laughs) (laughs) As I said, hand on heart, I do not have a costume on the go right now I may have three on the go, but I do not have a costume on the go. (laughs) Moving swiftly on.
4: I think it's time to end this section of the show. And uh, when we come back, we'll be chatting with Russ Hockham for the second time this evening in his regular segment of what's going on in the skies
5: for June. On canvas with paint in the artist's school. It is red that is hot and blue that is cool but in
8: science we show as the heat gets higher a star will glow red like the coals of a fire raise the heat some more and what is in sight behold the star
0: glows bright white but the hottest of all i say unto you is neither red
3: nor white when a star has turned blue
2: ladies and gentlemen you know it you love it you can't live without it this is tgp normal
14: nominal damn
4: so, welcome back to TGP Nominal, and joining us on the line is the one and only Ross Ockham from UK Astronomy. How are you doing, sir?
9: Yeah, really well. The one and only. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one me.
4: I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing.
9: Well, probably good. <laughs> <laughs>
4: So what's been going on with you guys?
9: Uh, we've been good, actually. We've had a couple of good nights out. I've got to talk about one of our nights, actually, on uh, on this today, because it was a bit of a crazy one. Yeah, me and Mick went out and had some fun. The weather's been a little bit rubbish lately. There's been storms, isn't there, and rain and <laughs> people getting flooded, which is never good for telescopes out in, a <laughs> in your garden. Not really. <laughs> I think a few people <laughs> had to strap theirs down and hide them in the garage and things like that. But it's looking good today from what I can see, and hopefully this month.
4: Awesome. So, what have you got for us?
9: June, isn't it?
4: It is, yeah. <laughs> Get
9: them up right. Yep, June, hopefully. Sunny. We like the sun, because it means we can look at the sun. But yeah, last month, it was all about Jupiter, wasn't it? Jupiter was the big boy in the sky. It was at opposition. And uh, this month, funnily enough, it's uh, the second biggest, Saturn. So, it's all about Saturn this month, because we're passing Jupiter. And now Saturn's actually going to come in opposition around about the 27th. So it's a really good time to have a look again It is going to be a little bit low But as I'll talk through in a second You can see it and you can get a good picture as well I had my first go So yeah, we're going to fly past Jupiter now It's, it's slowly going to go over the next few months it start dipping down So if you want to go and have a look, go and get it now But it's all about Saturn Saturn rises at about 11pm It's at its highest around about 1 a.m. So really, that's the best time to see it. Because if you're looking low down the atmosphere, you're looking through more. And also you've got the haze, especially in the summer. It's quite turbulent. Uh, And at the moment, it's around about 9 AU from Earth. Now, AU means astronomical units, which is pretty much a unit that I think scientists have made up. (laughs) So 1 AU is uh, pretty much the distance that Earth is from the sun. Which is about what 93 million miles on average we do move slightly closer and further away as we orbit so they, they've they gone for the average and said yeah that would do one au so that's how we can measure things in our solar system and stuff like that so why not so yeah it's about nine au so it's quite far away if you think about it, 93 million miles is one climbs out by nine and that's how far away saturn is wow uh I'm no good at maths, so I'll leave that to you to calculate while I chat away. Yeah, unfortunately for us, though, in the UK, it doesn't really rise too well at the moment. But as I said, I was out last month when it was even lower because it's slowly going higher and higher as we go through the year. Uh, I managed to get a decent view of it, saw its rings. I could see the gap uh, in between them. And also, I had my first astrophotography picture of the planet. I think I sent it to you, didn't I, on Messenger?
4: Uh, yes, you did. So, yeah.
9: yeah, yeah, a month or so ago, I got Saturn and uh, Jupiter and a couple of stars I think I played around with. But yeah, I, it was the first one I did without using my phone. So you can still get a picture with your phone. That was last month. So have a have a go this month. Go out and have a look. Uh, I will put the picture on the website and I'll also send it to you Mark because so, you put it on your notes don't you for the podcast Yeah. so you, you know everyone who listens can actually look and see you know what's possible even as a beginner like me it's my first ever go so if I can do it you guys can easily do it Yeah. As I said, Saturn is the second biggest planet. It rotates uh, around about just over 10 hours, which is a really fast spin considering its size. And uh, that causes the planet to actually almost kind of flatten or bulge out slightly at the sides. So Jupiter does the same and it actually makes it more of a kind of like, they say almost like an egg or an oval shape rather than a perfect sphere. Which you can clearly see for a telescope. So when you look for a telescope, we will notice that it's not perfectly circular, and that's because of this spin and how it's pushing out the sides, pretty much. Uh, it has bands, but they're more subtle than Jupiter's ones, so they're harder to see. But you should be able to make them out, hopefully, with a decent scope. Not sure with binoculars; I've never tried, but you should be able to see its main moon, Titan, which is actually quite a large moon they say you should be able to see around about eight of its 62 or however many moons with a decent sized scope so have a look and see how many moons you can see so there's quite a few you can see jupiter's main four can't you i think there's a couple others you can see as well yeah but uh yeah titan is uh it's it's like one of the largest moons i think it's only beaten by ganymede isn't it it's i think it's larger than mercury so it's actually larger than a planet (laughs) and i think it's even bigger than our moon you can see it flying around the planet even with a pair of binoculars should see a white dot there that will move you need a steady hand with some binoculars or a good tripod but every night it does move position so uh titan's quite strange because it, it's just a moon but it actually has an atmosphere doesn't it
4: it does yeah
9: not many moons do i think it's 95 percent nitrogen and then like maybe five percent methane as well as a few other things and that they sent cassini there didn't they mm-hmm. and they're quite perplexed, aren't they of like where the methane's coming from and how it how it's got this atmosphere where's it coming from yeah so considering it's a moon i think they've they've delved a bit deeper i haven't really looked it up yet so I might have to do a little Titan piece. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great project to do. If you, if you go out and look at it one night, just note where it is. Take a picture if you can of where it is or just draw it on a piece of paper. And then pop out another night and then see how it's moved. And then you'll see throughout the month how it you know how quickly it spins around the planet. So you can actually see a moon flying around Saturn. But what everyone really wants to see, and as I always say, it's the crowd pleaser, is it's, it's rings, isn't it? Everyone knows Saturn for those amazing rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Like no other planet has rings like that at all. So when you see that through a telescope, you're like, oh, my God, that is crazy. So you should be able to see it's the Cassini gap, isn't it? In between the two. Yeah, that's the main gap there. You can see that you might be able to see it with binoculars as well. And I believe it's named after a, a famed scientist who discovered many of its moons. So even with a small scope binoculars, have a look, you'll be able to see that. It will look as if the planet is kind of almost like tipping its hat towards you. So when you have a look at it, you should be looking kind of almost at like the top of the rings because it's dipping down. Uh, maybe later in the year, as, it, as we go past it, you can sometimes see its shadow actually cast across the back of the rings, which is really cool. I love that. It's just one of my favourite things. I don't know why. I think it's like 3D and it just makes it look like a real planet. <laughs> <laughs> as I mentioned before, its rings are made up pretty much of dirty water ice or snowballs and things like that, bits of rocks. Maybe like a comet's nucleus—that's kind of snowbilly, isn't it? And stuff and bits and bobs in there. Yeah,
4: just dust and yeah, ice and gas. <laughs>
9: all sort, yeah, <laughs> all sorts of things. There are a few moons in there as well. I think they've been seen. Some from scooping up the material, making gaps, and others are actually spraying out like debris and bits from sort of... Is it cryo geysers and stuff like that one the moons has got on? Yeah. It kind uh, of that, sprays so high up, doesn't it, that it actually goes out and they think that that's slowly creating a, a ring as it's going round.
4: The cryo part of it represents the fact that it's actually frozen. Yeah. Um, that's, so that's where that comes into.
9: Yeah. That's So it's like the geysers on Earth but just a bit more extreme. Yeah. <laughs> a lot higher. So that'd be something cool to see if you ever get to fly past... Yeah, Saturn's best viewed from the 27th because that's when it reaches opposition and it will appear slightly brighter in the sky and uh, that's when it's closest to Earth this year on the 27th. So the to pop out and have a look. Now, before I move on to what's up in the month and a few things that we can uh, see this month and what's going on, I want to talk about an amazing night that myself and my right-hand man, Mick Scott, had. Uh, it was very random because I was just sat at home and I got a message from Mick saying that the uh, International Space Station was actually going to pass in front of our moon a few weeks ago and he said was i up for a trip to dunstable downs again
3: <laughs>
9: <laughs> naturally i said hell yeah let's go for it so yeah he popped over we loaded his van with all the gear uh we went uh, the weather was against us the whole hour before the transit was going to happen there was a nice patch of cloud that just happened to be perfectly across the moon <laughs> and was almost going with it <laughs> It did pop kind of in and out, so we managed to get a bit of focus as we, you know, try to have a go. We set up a couple of telescopes that were on tracking mounts. So they tracked it, so we didn't really have to worry too much. We knew that hopefully they were going to be mostly on it. just need a couple of adjustments and it would just stay there. He's got a couple of CCD cameras, which they are they're a bit like webcams, really, which are really good because you just press record and they do like a thousand frames. So you're guaranteed, hopefully, that one of them might have something in it. So we had them set up and ready to go. And that's mostly mixed gear because he's, you know, he does proper astronomy (laughs) or cheating astronomy, as I call it. But then I also took my 10 inch Dobby and I popped my phone on it. And I was going to uh, manually follow the moon after I pressed record on one. I was going to run to my Dobby and then manually keep that on the moon and record it on my phone just to see if you can get it on your phone. The cloud stayed in the way (laughs) as it does. We did manage to focus on the moon. For a few second gaps, so we knew we were on it we were all ready to go and then literally five minutes before it was going to transit the moon and go in front of it it cleared it got in a gap where there was no clouds so we rushed we like spilt our tea (laughs) (laughs) ran to our scopes quickly sorted out the exposure the gain and the focus and all that stuff to make sure it was all nice and clear and hit record then i sprinted to my dobby And then sat there for a few minutes manually following the moon and recording. After it all happened, we saw absolutely nothing on the screens or, you know, it was so quick we didn't even know if we captured it. So we ran with our laptops, or should I say we walked carefully with our laptops, got in the back of Mick's van, which is carpeted. (laughs) Don't ask. (laughs) We had a look and we, we were viewing it, the data in there, and then voila, Mick found it on his It was like a white dot, and it kind of went from the top left, skimmed across the front of the moon to the bottom right. It literally went within like a second. But because you did a thousand frames, you can click each frame and see it go across. Now, I'm not allowed to repeat what he said when he saw it.
4: I can imagine.
9: (laughs) Yes, you can imagine. He was very uh, excited, very happy. Uh, I then found it on my screen, and I was like, yes, I've got it as well. Even though I used his gear and it was only my telescope, (laughs) my little 70 ED travel scope, I was like, oh, I've got it as well. Brilliant. I then looked on my phone and it was on that as well. Wow. So you can get that just using your phone and manually filming the moon.
4: So you weren't using any specialist equipment or just
9: nothing at all. It's just a, a 10 inch Dobby, which is literally a tube with a mirror on the end and you move it with your hand. That's it. You're pretty much just moving a mirror. And you put your phone on there. You will need an attachment or something. I, When I did the ISS a couple of years ago, I used sellotape and, <laughs> and elastic band and bits to keep it on there. So, yeah, you can do that. You, you can do that. Anyone can do it, which is what I love. I'm like, you know, Mick's got the proper gear and he can get a really nice picture of it. But you can get the International Space Station just using your phone with a telescope. So now anyone can go out and try that. And to me, that's what astronomy is all about. We went out there against all odds for ah oh, what the hell let's go for it so naturally we celebrated with a you know the, the good old british custom of another cup of tea but it did end there because in our joy we were like well wow, the scopes are out we watched the sun set nicely over the downs and then venus started popping out so you know us being astronomers why not we had a little look at venus is it about its three-quarter phase and this month, it is starting to move sort of towards us and round in front of the Sun. But it can still be enjoyed this month. It's out there the whole time. So you can see that as the sun set and we were looking at Venus, Jupiter popped out again, which will happen this month. Jupiter will be right there. It's kind of opposite where Venus is. If you look at Venus, I sort say where the Sun sets, Venus is there, and that's kind of to the right. If you look to the left of that, that's where Jupiter will be. So if you keep moving left, you'll see a big blob in the sky, and there's Jupiter. Have a look. But yeah, we were there doing that, looking at it. Four main moons were there, really good as always. Uh, we'd had a couple of visitors come by because we always say, if you see the UK astronomy flag flying, come and say hello. We're all more than happy to chat to you, unless, of course, it's that five-minute window of trying to get the ISS, <laughs> <laughs> in which case we would be like, one second, this is really important. Give one second, we'll be with you. So yeah, a couple of people came and had a chat and had a cup of tea of us, which is great. Hopefully... A- few new members on the website and, uh, sorry, the Facebook group. And then as we started to pack away our gear, clouds rolled in, which is quite good for us, more and more clouds. But we then started to see flashes in the distance. And I thought maybe it was a train, because you get that, don't you? If there's a train, I thought, don't know if there's any trains near here. We had a look at our weather apps, and there was a humongous storm coming. And it looked like it was coming up from Spain up to us.
3: Mm -hmm.
9: We looked at each other, and again, just we knew. That's it. We're here all night. We put the kettle on. <laughs> and we sat in Mick's van from about 11pm until 3am, watching and filming possibly the best storm I have ever seen in my life. It was like four or five hours of just mayhem. Now, I wouldn't recommend sitting in a metal box on top of a large hill during a lightning storm.
4: You've got four rubber insulators underneath. You do know yeah, that. Yeah, we
9: have, yeah. I must admit, though, because he had a little, a little burner doing the tea and stuff, we had to jump out and risk our lives for tea (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we sat there we had some food we had a cup of tea i mean we we were there like three hours we were just chatting filming it it was oh it was mad i can only liken it to the blitz which mick would probably remember because he's quite old but yeah it was it was uh, that's that's what to me we're like that's what life is all about we may be astronomers but you can always enjoy our planet it's crazy i mean what it does day and night you know We want our members and all, you know, and who listen to TGP, nominal, to get out there and have crazy nights like that. It was a completely off-the-cuff, you know, let's just do it. You know, what came in at about 4 a.m., the wife was like, where have you been? (laughs) Soaking wet. It's brilliant. So, yeah, (laughs) me and Mick were just average guys with a passion to go out and learn about the worlds around us and our own. And then, you know, we've seen some amazing things over the last couple of years that we've been in, and we just want to share it with you guys. I so mean, that's, you know, that was our night.
4: That's something that you actually can do because you can learn a lot about the planets from our own planet and the other way around. You can learn a lot about our own planet from what is out there.
9: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've discovered more about our planet by actually visiting others, haven't we? Mm-hmm about atmospheres and how things work and i mean half the stuff like as you said like cryo geysers we didn't even know they existed and then you see something like that and new things have been found and then that might have something to do with our planet yeah and like massive reserves of water they're saying there's loads isn't there on our planet there's more water now below ground they reckon in massive reserves than there is on the surface and things like that so you know that might have to do with uh Jupiter's moon mightn't it that's, they say it's frozen on the top but has massive water underneath and yep. if we can find a way to find that and you know peer through it maybe we can do that on our planet as well so yeah explore that's what I say explore go out there
4: I just had a well it wasn't a message to me personally but it was a message on on Facebook to everybody who follows him but Alan Stern who is the uh, the leading uh, investigator for the New Horizons mission which has just come out of hibernation, by the way, for um, its next journey on to where it's heading next. Um, yeah, I or, heard
9: about that. That's always a very nervous time, isn't it, for them?
4: Yeah, just in case they, it doesn't put wake it to up. sleep <laughs> and
9: they're like, <laughs> I don't know whether it's going to wake up or not.
4: Yeah, but not only that, um, this week he is in talks at JPL, the uh, Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena, for the Europa Clipper. Oh, nice. Which is the the next mission to Europa, which they yep. say could be one of these moons that is very similar to our own planet.
9: Yep. Find some life. Mm. I hope we find life. We've got to find... It'd be really cool just to find something somewhere else just to say we're not on our own. Even if it's bacteria, it doesn't matter. We were once.
4: But if they're in talks now about that, that's something's going to happen... Not within the next couple of years, but within the next maybe 10, 15 years. So um, that's looking promising.
9: Fingers crossed. That would be really cool. Right. Shall I tell you what's going on this month? Yeah. Now I've had my little crazy... (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I was excited by it. I was like, yeah. Yeah, so this month... There is, from the 10th, there is a faint comet. Uh, It starts to pass through uh, Cygnus, which is a constellation of the swan, and it kind of uh, starts around the star. Now, I hate this because I don't know how to say this word, but you know, is it Sadra? S A D R, I'm going for. I'm going for Sadra. We're we're not often wrong, are we? That sounds good.
4: That sounds good.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's that, starting on that star, which is pretty much where the swan's wings sort of join up. So it's right in the middle of the body of the swan, where the wings join. And then it goes up to uh, Deneb, which is uh, its tail. Mm-hmm. So it's going up through the swan. On the 24th, it should be by Deneb. You, sh- you should be able to follow its progress across the sky pretty much all the way up to September, when I think it's, it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And September's kind of uh, the brightest And it's going to be a naked eye comet, they think, but they never know with comets, do they? You never know whether they're going to brighten or dim or... I mean, there was one that they said was going to be really bright and then it broke up, didn't it? Yeah, just... I think that's a few years ago. It just completely disintegrated and I think it went into the sun, didn't it?
4: Um, Parts of it did, yeah.
9: Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's something to have a look at. If you follow up to around about October time, so you can keep following it through, we actually uh, passed through the tail of that comet so you can see the comet and then we actually pass through it on earth and it actually creates the, uh, the the draconid meteor shower it's not a great shower i think it's only about five a month but that just shows that you're watching that comet go past and then we're actually going towards it and then going through its tail of where it's been that's really wicked <laughs> i love things like that this month it is quite dim so it's uh, best seen through larger scopes, and have a look and see if you can find it. But it's more going to be on the astrophotography side, which should bring out a tale, from what I've heard. So you can start off now, see if you can find it, if you've got uh, some astrophotography gear, some cameras and stuff. Have a look, see if you can make it out, and then it should brighten and you can follow it throughout the rest of the year. Then we've got on the 16th and the 17th, as the sun sets each evening, you can watch the crescent moon slowly brighten as it swings up past and under venus the second planet so that's something you can see as the sun sets cool for the kids so they can actually see how the moon moves around earth on each different night and how far it moves You could even get them to measure it using like the fingers or you could even just take measure at arm's length and see where how far it's gone each time just for a bit of fun on the 18th ganymede jupiter's largest moon as we now know which i think is the largest one isn't it in the solar system
4: i think it is yeah
9: i think so unless we discover anything else <laughs> It's going to cast a shadow onto the planet at around about 10 p.m. So it will still be light-ish, but you still should be able to see it, hopefully. So it'll be there about 10 p.m. The shadow of the, the moon will be onto the planet and move across it. The 19th, there's a, an asteroid that we can see, Vesta. It reaches opposition on this date, so it should be able to be seen in binoculars. But you will need a keen eye because it's pretty much just going to be a white dot that's going to move in relation to you know the background of stars over a, a few days or hours. I think Vesta is also, it's not far off of Saturn in the sky. So Saturn's there and Vesta's just to the right of it. And it is one of the largest asteroids in our belt. The belt is between Mars and Jupiter. And they they think it's a failed planet, don't they? They think the asteroid belt was going to be a planet, but it didn't clump together.
4: Like, lots of different things that can cause that, but uh, yeah, they're not 100% sure.
9: No, I like to think of it as like almost like a gravitational well. Mm-hmm where jupiter and the sun kind of almost not cancel each other out but they kind of tug at each other about there don't they Mm -hmm. so it couldn't clump together or something like that but i'm not an expert but i think that's cool yeah so you can see vesta hopefully and uh, if you can take pictures of it you'll see it move as you go across and it's just to the right of saturn you should be able to see it on an app if you've got something like stellarium or uh one of those it will show you around about where it is uh then we've got the 20th there's a chance to see the lunar x and v which uh, if you missed it a couple of months ago we did talk about it on one of the previous tgp nominal podcasts didn't we
4: yeah we did yeah so you can
9: always go back and listen to one of them to hear what we're talking about and it should be on there and it's pretty much where the shadow on the moon or terminator as they call it just happens to hit the crest of some of the lunar craters perfectly to make an x on the moon and then also below it there's also a v that you might be able to spot You can do it with binoculars, so that's something cool to see.
4: So if you look for our April edition of TGP Nominal, you'll see the piece in the show notes about the X and the V. Uh,
9: On the 21st, the sun reaches its most northerly position in the sky, apparently. So around about 11am, that marks the summer solstice, which also marks the shortest night. (coughs) Not happy about that. But then they should get longer afterwards, hopefully. (coughs) for us astronomers. Uh, On the 23rd, if you still haven't had a chance to see Jupiter, the moon's not far from it that night. So you can go out even with binoculars and see the king of the planets before it slips away. So it's a good time to pop out and see Jupiter right next to the moon. The 25th, that now marks the latest sunset of the year. So why not pop out, have a look at the sun, carefully remember never look at the sun with binoculars or anything because you'll go blind but you can watch it set and uh yeah see what time it sets go out and have a look it's probably quite late i'd imagine what 10 11 ish
4: i'd have thought something like that yeah
9: but yeah go out there and then see you know the latest sunset of the year 27th saturn reaches opposition we've talked all about that on this night it does also happen to be near a full moon so it's not far from it so you can use that as a signpost see a little blob next to it that will be Saturn so it will be easier to find in the sky for you guys and then last but not least on the 28th we have a full moon which is gonna rise just after Saturn so Saturn comes up first then the full moon around about 10 30 p.m. which is always great to watch it's awesome to watch a full moon rise especially in the summer because it looks really you know it looks really large and ready yellow as it kind of moves up up into the sky and then also Saturn's not far again didn't see it the night before because it was cloudy go out and have a look as always we'll pop the object of the month which is saturn of course be on our website www.ukastronomy.org it'll be under events and then object of the month and as always i know mark does an amazing job at adding our notes with pictures onto his podcast page so it'll all be there for you to enjoy and that's uh yeah that's this month's uk astronomy guide so i hope you enjoy it get out there see some thunderstorms <laughs>
4: So once again, Ross, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show.
9: Thank you very much for having me again. You know me; I love talking, <laughs> especially about space.
4: Uh, in this case, this is your second appearance on the show because we played your bit in that you uh, did for
8: Field of Force Day as well. So,
9: cool. Well, hopefully, there'll be <laughs> another one for uh, this year's.
8: Yeah, awesome. .weebly.com That's SpamheadProductions.weebly.com
4: So Liz, I understand congratulations are in order because you are now fully accredited with the uh, 501st, right?
7: Ah, I now do have a costume cleared with the UK garrison. I still have to do an official troop with them in it. But yeah, I, I am officially cleared staff officer.
4: Wow that is the costume that uh, you showed me at uh, Milton Keynes isn't it?
7: It is yeah
4: that's pretty cool. I've
7: been working on that since last summer and get it done to that standard was a really big thing for me. A little over a week ago I was officially cleared and I am now ID27212 I have <laughs> I have my I have my number
4: <laughs> That's awesome. So you're with them. You're with the Rebel Legion as well, aren't you? I am. Wow. And.
7: Joker Squad and Iconic Legion. Cool. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. Gotta collect them all. <laughs> I love it. That um, and it just means that it gives me the opportunity to go to a lot more events and raise money for various things, which is what I enjoy doing.
4: That's what it's all about. You
7: know, smiles and high fives and raising money for
4: carry now guys it's about time we start wrapping things up and um, so liz oh, i should say it's been a journey which it has been but
7: um <laughs> oh diplomatic
4: <laughs> and um yeah it's been fun having you on the show today and we're going to be having you on the show more regularly i mean we've, we've kind of been talking about some ideas haven't we
7: have. I'm just thinking. Have you not learned your lesson, letting me on tonight? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've been working with John for four years. I mean, come on.
7: <laughs> so no, you really haven't learned your lesson. Okay. <laughs> yes, there are there are plans and ideas afoot.
4: So keep listening to this space, and uh, more will be revealed. Now, John. Yes. It's always <laughs> a pleasure having you on the show, sir.
5: You lie, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll shut up I'll shut up then. <laughs> shall oh boy. He's getting it in stereo tonight.
7: <laughs> Careful the colonials are coming.
4: I'm not going there.
7: <laughs>
4: <laughs> um and as always, it's always good to have Ross with us and the UK astronomy guys letting us know what's going on out there and uh we're going to be teaming up with them again soon because we've got a big event coming up called the big bang at bucks science fair which is in a couple of weeks time and uh yeah that should be fun so all that's left for me to say is to everyone out there thanks for listening and we will speak to you all again real soon Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. If you want to get in touch with us,
10: then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com
5: Because
2: your input is our output.
5: Or click on the social media icons on the top left of the page at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to
4: any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn on Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find links on all our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about
7: us.